1: Welcome in, everyone. This is episode 130 of Catfish on Ice. We missed you, everyone. It's been a long week in this offseason for the Preds, but we are so happy you're joining us. This is your host, Chad Minton, with co-host Rich Howe, and Kyle Perkins will be joining us later in this episode to also get in on all the fun. We have a ton to get into now that we're doing only one episode a week. All we're doing is breaking down Two episodes and turning it into one gigantic episode once a week. That's right. basically what yeah. we're doing during the offseason. Yeah. I think it's a good, yeah. A good uh, deal. Yeah. Just turning it into one mega episode every week to get you through this Preds offseason. That's what yeah, we're absolutely. doing. We're gonna absolutely. talk we're gonna talk about what's going on in the Stanley Cup playoffs, kind of give you a reaction to that, but let's really let you know what the rundown is for episode one thirty of Catfish on Ice brought to you by DraftKings and part of the Hockey Podcast Network. We are going to go back and look at that really dramatic and telling end-of-season press conference that the Nashville Predators had. Wow. Uh, You want to talk about a list of quotes, eye-opening quotes that both John Hines and David Poyle both put Mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. I can tell you one thing, it was very unfiltered. What would you think about it? It was.
2: Yeah, I agree. We're going to get into it more, but... Probably the most telling I've seen in three years, probably three or four years.
1: It was very good. We're gonna really, I watched, that's for sure. Yes, we're going to pull away the biggest takeaways from that press conference. What did we really learn from it? Do we feel better going into the offseason after that press conference? Again, if you never got a chance to watch it, all you got to do is go to the Fred's official website. You can literally watch the entire full press conference good if you happen to miss it and you want to watch it in its entirety. The local media did a good job. They didn't throw any softballs to the Preds. Uh, brass, was, as far as that. What did you think? There was, one, right, we'll
2: there was one. There was one. All right. We'll, we'll save it for when we get into it. I'm getting kinda,
1: ahead of myself.
2: Kind of bugged me a little, but, you know, it's all right.
1: All right. Well, we'll, we'll save I'll that do. for when we get into it. We're yeah. also yeah. going to talk about how it came out of that press conference, and we kind of saw it coming, but John Hines got, has himself – A uh, contract extension. We weren't sure sure how many years it was going to be. Turns out it's going to be a two-year contract extension. So congratulations to John Hines. We're going to give our reaction to that, what we think that means for this team moving forward, what that means for John Hines. I know there's a lot of people out there who don't like that he was brought back. If it was up to them, they wouldn't bring David Poyle back. They wouldn't bring John Hines back. They They want Carl Taylor. They they want Barry Trotz back.
2: They would have never got Hines to begin with.
1: Yeah, so uh, I mean either way, we are gonna give our reaction to that. We got a fun top ten list to do for you here, and it was really hard for me to come up with this, but I did it all day. I worked on it, I scratched out a lot of names, I kept kind of going back and forth. I'm gonna give you my list of my top ten players that are left in these twenty twenty two Stanley Cup playoffs. Good not one. players, not players who were in the playoffs earlier and now they're eliminated. I'm talking about current players who are still playing in these playoffs. On May, what is today? The 23rd? May 23rd, 2022. <laughs> yeah, what day is it anymore? Yeah. I don't even so know. So that's, that's how I did my top 10 list. So no one get mad at me because I didn't include Austin Matthews. Okay, he's eliminated, everybody. Let's f- focus on what? the rules here. I already know I'm going to get at least one tweet from somebody that says my list is garbage because I didn't <sighs> include Austin Matthews.
2: But you said, you said ones that are still playing. Ones that are still
1: in these playoffs right yeah, now. Because if it was make all the
2: playoffs, play. it would be very difficult. Harder. It would than be it even more already. difficult.
1: It was oh, already yeah. really difficult. But I, I will share my list. Rich will interject. By that time, I'm sure Kyle Perkins will be on with us, and we can get his thoughts on my list. Yep. Everyone can come at me and tweet me and tell me how wrong <coughs> I am. That's how. That's why these lists are so much fun. So they are fun. Um, They're good. And then, uh, speaking to Kyle Perkins when he joins us and graces us with his presence, oh, he is going to someday. give us a Milwaukee. He's mm-hmm. going to give us a Milwaukee Admirals update. Let's see how they're doing in the playoffs. I know they're in the middle of a really difficult series. They're in the second round now, and they are playing the Chicago Wolves, which oddly enough was a team they were um, kind of uh, associated mm-hmm. with temporarily were, yeah. when the um, Admirals were had to take a break. A season, they had to take a season off. So it's a little bit weird that they're having to play the same team now. But anyway. It is weird, very weird. Kyle Perkins will give us an update on how the Admirals are doing. Also, at the end of this episode, you're going to have to download the episode tomorrow, or you can go check out our YouTube channel right now and watch the full interview. Abigail Martin of Penalty Box Radio. She also works with Nashville SC. She's a rinkside reporter, for covering the Predators, and she was at the press conference. She joined me for a good 30-minute interview earlier this week, or I guess I should say the end of last week. Uh, the day of the press conference was when she joined us. That's right. That interview was. will be at the end of this episode, episode 130. And finally, told you we had a lot to get into. Finally, Burns. we are going to end with a really good non-hockey debate. It has nothing to do with hockey whatsoever, yeah. but it's okay because it's nope. the off-season. The most overrated restaurants that people love. We are going to list them. I am fired up about this, Rich, because there are a lot of restaurants I mean, that I don't get it. Why do people like these restaurants?
2: I agree one hundred percent. And and being in Nashville, like it's probably even tougher because there are so many good places to eat. Like, well, I mean, there are a, some
1: out there that I don't understand right. the hysteria over them. So but I there cannot are wait some to out there. That. Yes, that are not as, <laughs> as good, savory. So, so yeah, I'm sure everyone can't wait to hear that. They're probably just going to fast forward to that part of the episode. You know Get us to the most overrated mm. restaurants. That's what we want to know yeah. about. It'll be funny. That's for sure. All right. It's always funny. All right, Rich. <laughs> let's give the floor to you on the opening face-off tonight of episode 130. Oh, What's What stood out to you the most from the Preds end-of-season press conference?
2: So, I thought wh- – two things. Um, It was very telling that David Poyle admitted, you don't hear that very often. You do not hear him admit much of anything, admitted that he did not give John Hines the best team that he could have given him to compete in the NHL this season. And I thought that was a really good – admission by him because he is right he's absolutely right um had they not had awesome seasons from Duchesne and um you know even ryan johansson i know he dropped off a little bit um and roman yossi had an awesome season uh philip forsberg obviously had an awesome season if it hadn't been for those guys they definitely wouldn't have made the playoffs and Mm -hmm. um he was expecting he was expecting some more out of some players that we've talked about. Um, Luke Condon comes is the first one that comes to mind. Um, Ellie Tolvanen struggled mightily throughout the whole season. He did some other good things uh, on the ice, but he didn't score much. Um, yeah, you just didn't you just don't hear that much from a from a GM saying, you know, hey man. I didn't give you what you needed, and it's it's on me. And it, and it ultimately is on him. He's the one who signs the checks. He's the one who makes the picks. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was really probably the most thing, the best thing that stuck out to me out of the whole thing. What did you think about that part of it?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. That was definitely what stood out the most, for sure. It was um, – you appreciate when a GM comes out and is honest about, you know – making mistakes yes, because you don't get that from leaders very often. You just don't. And so I appreciate that from him. Um, Also, another thing I noticed that was really another part of him really being honest was when he said there was a hole in this lineup and he kind of zeroed in on the second line. And then he also Mm -hmm. even kind of touched on how clearly there's a, there's a gap between uh, the Preds and the Avs and that now it's, really the objective of this offseason, And he kind of gave us a hint into what he's thinking for this offseason is, yeah, this team needs to make some, some um, upgrades uh, personnel wise. He didn't shy away from that. And so that makes me really interested and intrigued on what David Poyle is going to do externally to build this roster up. Not, no, let's just take the focus off Philip Forsberg. I know that's the biggest thing we're trying to worry about here, but, um, What's he going to try to do out, you know, what's he going to try to do externally? Like what's he going to do to try to add somebody to this team to fix that second line, you know, which is what was kind of a problem, you know? Uh, what'd you think about that, Rich? Did you kind of, did you kind of agree or did you kind of notice oh. that as well from David Poyle?
2: Oh yeah, I 100% agree. He he knows that um, that second line you know he he got some some good um production out of them out of sometimes but sometimes not um he's going to have to definitely upgrade i know that they said obviously everything's hinging on Forsberg coming back but i know that they said they have plan b plan c d set up for if Forsberg doesn't come back he's just going to have to open up that checkbook man and pay some pay some guys i mean that's mm-hmm. all there is to it um, I'm a little leery of, well, no, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say he has to do that and move your Luke Cunnins, your L.A. Tolvanins somewhere else and not give them another shot because I don't think there's too many more shots to be given to begin with. <laughs> well, we knew
1: we knew... Yeah, that does make sense. Well, we knew that he was going to be asked about Forsberg. He's been yep. he's been asked about that all for the past six months, basically, or whatever it's been since we've been really focused on this. And, you know, he really didn't give us that much more into it other than one thing... I've, a couple things I find interesting. One, he he repeated, once again, that there is apparently mutual interest between both sides. Mm-hmm. So, there's that. And then also... He brought up the, the reason why he didn't trade Forsberg at the mm-hmm. trade deadline, which is what really has everyone up in, up in arms right now. They're mad that if you couldn't get him re-signed before the trade deadline, mm-hmm. you should have not left all those assets on the table that you could have gotten in return. And now you might lose him for nothing. That's really the whole stink in all this. And Poyle basically said, "I was not going to trade away Forsberg, and this team not make the playoffs." And he That's pretty true. much, he literally flat out said he didn't even speculate. He flat out said this team would not have made the playoffs if he had traded Philip Forsberg. Absolutely like he not. didn't, he, he didn't even beat around the bush. He literally said we would not have made the playoffs. I found that kind of surprising that he was that yeah. honest about it.
2: Yeah, me too a little bit. Um, yeah, like you said, he really did just kind of lay everything out there, which you don't hear very often at all. Um, they wouldn't have made the playoffs. That's at 100% accurate. Um, but if you look at it on the other hand, did they barely made, they, they made the playoffs, but did they make the playoffs? Because <laughs> they didn't do anything in the playoff. So, you know, you could have maybe, you could have maybe gotten rid of they him and, and gotten some rich-
1: stuff but they got the participation trophy that's what they got they they, they did, got that yeah. little they got that little ribbon that says hey you showed that up little, and you were here that
2: little short trophy that's like that big
1: yeah that's yeah. that's pretty yeah. that's pretty like when you go back and look at the record books they'll be one of the teams that was listed that officially made the playoffs that's all they got out of it that's it and yeah. and they got some growth from Connor Ingram they got some really good growing experiences for Connor Ingram that's the only other thing I'm going to pull out of it
2: absolutely but yeah yeah, it was. I don't know, but but back then, if you look at around the trade deadline time, the Predators were actually playing really well. They were playing excellent, actually. I mean, you know, they looked really good, better than they did last year. At this, well, yeah, right about that time. Um, so you know, it's a crapshoot. It's just a big, big, huge crapshoot. Is and all it we is. said
1: that at the time. We said it at the time <laughs> when the Preds were playing so well. We were like, wow. Like, this makes it really hard to figure out what yeah. to do with Philip Forsberg because Absolutely. it would have been an easy decision if mm-hmm. the team they was suck. tanking, mm-hmm. uh, you know. But, yeah. Also, another thing, uh Poyle went even further back in time. He really covered the entire timeline of this franchise's sure existence. And, and it was yes, one of the did. first questions asked, and it was asked by Adam Vinian of The Athletic. And I can't even really remember the original question, but whatever it was that he asked, it ended up, drawing a really long, like 10-minute response from Poyle. Mm-hmm. It was kind of at the very beginning of the press conference. And he basically covered the entire timeline of this team. He basically covered how this team was an expansion team and how it took some time to get through their really difficult expansion years. Then he covered what he called, I, I believe he called them the competitive years, and it was mm-hmm. where they got Paul Korea and they started making the playoffs. And then he kind of covered a little bit of the down 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 years, a couple down years, where the team mm-hmm. was almost lost. Literally, the team almost relocated. Yes. Um, and then that's when Barry Trotz was fired. And then that's when Peter Laviolette came in. So then he kind of covered that. So he really covered, like, all, the entire journey to get to where we are now, which, yeah. I mean, I was kind of surprised by that. And then he also talked about the decision of the expansion draft and how they didn't really want to leave Cal Yarncroft unprotected, but that he still – wholeheartedly agrees with his original decision because he knows flat out that Seattle Kraken were going to take Tanner Janot If yeah. like He knew behind closed doors. He had been told, and just reading the tea leaves and him being a really savvy general manager, and he knows way more than we know, obviously, he knew before it ever happened that they were going to take Tanner Janot. So give him a big pat on the back for making the right decision there.
2: Yeah. And that was that was another thing that I mean, we obviously we all speculated that that was the case, but that was really kind of cool to hear him say it. He's like, you know, I was told I was told by general managers, probably by the Kraken's general manager, I'm going to take Tanner Janot if, if that if that's who it is. And that's you know, you just don't hear you just never hear. That kind oh, of I loved being it. So painted. yeah, I loved, I it. loved that's, the honesty, that's how it. I love the honesty. I loved really, everything about it. I mean, yeah, that's that's we really how it should be all the time.
1: And then shifting the focus <laughs> to some of the things Hines said, um, Hines came off very like I don't want to say likable because they're both likable people, but Hines mm-hmm. came off very like encouraging. I'll say encouraging. I really liked a lot of what Hines had to say. I liked. Uh, it seemed like Hines really had a strong map for the future, a small, a really strong blueprint for what he wants from this team. And David Poyle gave him nothing but praise and ring, ringing endorsements. Uh, and so Heinz, one of the things Heinz said that I found really interesting was when he said that he breaks the 82 game season into four segments of 20 games, basically. Yep. And he said that the Preds played their best hockey in the second segment of the season, mm-hmm but played their worst hockey, again, we're going back to that honesty, and you appreciate this, the last segment of the season, which he says is the hardest segment of the season, is when the Preds played their worst. Well, you know what? It doesn't take someone to be very smart to go back and look at the Preds' schedule last season and see nope. exactly what he's talking about.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that was, that was actually one of the other things that I was going to bring up that was most uh, telling about everything was – that Hines and Poyle both admitted that their players slumped in the last quarter of the season when they needed to not slump. And the, and the guys that did slump had no support from, you know, the, the third or fourth, second, the second line, no scoring from those guys. When you're, when your stars slump and you don't have anybody to take up the slack, your result is the last quarter was horrible. It was Mm -hmm. bad. It was it was really bad. They 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 slumped at exactly when you don't want to slump. And then you know they were riding <clears throat> they were riding UC Saros. He even slumped some. I mean, he was just getting hammered. It was like it was, yeah, it was like
1: um I kind of compare it thinking about Heinz's comment regarding that. I think about it in terms of if you're on the interstate and you're on a road trip and you're trying mm-hmm. to you're trying to make it to that last exit to get gas and the Preds unfortunately couldn't make it to that last exit to refill their gas tank. They just ran out, and they were they yeah. were cruising along for so long, and they just they couldn't get enough gas out of that gas tank to make it to that exit to get gas to, fill, yeah. to refill or refuel, whatever you want to call it. You know, um, I mean, yeah, even when enough.
2: even when like Philip Forsberg was playing so well, and he went, what was it
1: like? Cold, ice cold in the April? playoffs.
2: He went all of April and didn't score. A goal in the regular season until like the last And it leaked, few it leaked games, into the playoffs.
1: It I mean, he was ice cold in the playoffs. I mean, I know he I know he scored one goal there towards the end, but um mm-hmm. for the most part he was a non factor. Yeah. Um yeah. And then uh going back to UC Saros, Hines, yeah. basically he 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 didn't really say it loudly, but he did kind of hint at yes, um ideally speaking, you would like to not Start UC Sorrow so many games you would like to get at least 20 plus games out of your backup. Um, which that wound up being what? 13. Yeah, Sorrows led the NHL and starts with 67. Yeah, 77.
2: So you got 15. (coughs) Riddick got 15. Well, 15
1: split. Well, 15 split across Ingram and Riddick because Ingram ended up getting some starts too, but um. He says ideally that the next backup, which you would expect to be Connor Ingram, almost certainly 99.9% chance. Connor, you would like to see if, if, if everything goes according to plan, you would like to see Connor Ingram to get 20 plus starts next season.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of the goaltenders, that was another thing. He basically said in that press conference that obviously David Riddick's not going to be back. So mm-hmm. that was a little, I don't know if he meant to do that or not, but he, uh, he for sure uh, confirmed that that part of it, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think Ingram definitely stepped up when when he when he had the opportunity, but um, we'll just have to see. I'm sure that's what's gonna the plan is going to be at this point, but I'm sure that they sure. don't want to have to go out and find another another uh, another backup at this point, but uh, we'll see what happens. Because I think Ingram's struggling a little bit now uh, in Milwaukee a little bit. Well, think about how
1: hard it's got to be for Ingram, though, to to bounce back and forth between the Preds and coming off that high of playing in the Stanley Cup playoffs and everything he's been through. He's going from going up against the Colorado Avalanche. Now he's back in Milwaukee. I mean, that's not a really easy transition. Mm -hmm. I know you're going up against lesser competition, but that's yeah, still but, a really hard transition to make for somebody for sure. to make, to switch to a whole different team playing in front of you again. I know he's familiar with those players, but that's still a really tough thing to ask of someone to just it switch is. gears and go straight to another league like that. It's tough.
2: Yeah. I guess you just wanted to see him go in and just dominate or something and make yeah, you it's feel. Just, it's,
1: it's normally not that simple. It's normally <laughs> not that simple. And
2: make you feel like super confident that he will definitely be the backup.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I, th- I still think he will be. I mean, that has to be.
2: I, think too. I don't know what else you All could right. do.
1: But getting back know. to John Hines, let's kind of talk about our reaction. Do we I I've been pretty critical. I've said that I don't mm-hmm. I'm not so sure about John Hines as the future. Um but I also wasn't totally against him getting uh re-signed to an extension because even though I'm not sold on him as a long-term mm-hmm. answer as head coach and I do think there are much better options out there. On the coaching market, at the same time, you can't fire a guy who just went through his first full normal season as this team's head coach and Agreed. took took them to where he took them. The players appear to love playing for them. The locker room, even though the team slumped, I don't think it was because the locker room wasn't playing for each other or that there was mm-hmm. any toxicity. I don't think it was that. I don't think there was. I think the culture of the team is still strong, yep. and uh, that's just my outside looking in. I think it was execution problems is the reason why the team struggled down the stretch. It wasn't that they don't like playing with each other or that there's some type of a culture issue. I think John Hines is building a pretty solid culture in that locker room. So he deserves to get an extension. Now I was torn up on how many more years are they going to give Yeah, two year extension. I can live with that. And I mean, honestly teams fire head coaches before their contracts are up all the time. So it's they not sure it's not do. like it's not like being tied up to an eight-year contract with a player and you're gonna have to keep paying that player. It's different with coaches, but um, yep. I think I think two years to really show the front office in this organization and this owner, these owners, hey, I am the right. So now he's he gets two years to really now yep. there's no more excuses, though. I nope. don't want to hear any more excuses. I bet we have to see progress from this team the next two yep. years, or then you move on from John Hines.
2: I agree one hundred percent. I think <clears throat> the 2 year um deal was is actually perfect in this situation cuz it's not it's not too short it 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 gives him you know a little bit of confidence hey we know you're doing a good job um it's not too long whereas hey um you can't rest on your laurels and 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 do whatever you, you know just like not well, not I don't want to say not try but um yeah i've always kind of been a fan of his um you remember since since Poyle gave his little history lesson we'll talk about it um when peter laviolette got fired this team was a mess yes huge, it was and that's huge mess that's
1: kind of um, what i was going that's kind of what i was going back to was about the culture yeah. i think there was a culture problem in this locker room when laviolette left
2: yeah massive culture problem and and he he took those guys and molded them into a a really good team. And I don't th- I think obviously the coach has a massive role, you know to to get things done. but if you're if the team doesn't execute, how can you blame the coach? I mean, I just don't see how that's even possible, but like if you stuck, if you stuck um, I don't know, any of the other coaches in this situation. Do you think any of the other coaches are any better than Hines and could have squeezed more out of this team? I guess that's, uh, a, that's a good it's question. It's
1: debatable, but I think that, I think you gotta say that it's possible. I mean, you just it you is. Know, because because at, at that point it does come down to systematic issues. And do you agree mm-hmm. with some of the uh, systems that, and philosophies that John Hines employs? And yep. so that's when you get into that, when it comes to culture and being a leader and mm-hmm. getting players motivated to play, I think he checked all the boxes there. I really feel like this team loves yeah. playing for John Hines and he is a player's coach. I really mm-hmm. feel like he's a player's coach. Whereas Peter Lavia led. Mm-hmm. Not so wasn't much. Always, I, 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 I look more at John Hines. Like I do Barry Trotz. Cause Barry Trotz mm-hmm. is very much a player's coach.
2: I agree. Yeah. 100%. Um, yeah, you do, You look. You look at um, when the Predators were playing well um, in that second quarter of the season, and even last season when they when they finally turned everything around, they're really good. I mean, they were like really, really like top notch, being talked about on the NHL. You know, the sports shows, and they were playing really well. <clears throat> so. I just think there's 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 one key missing. I'm not sure what it is. But I think if they can just figure out that one that one thing to get them over the hump, they will be a whole lot better than they were this year for sure. I'm just not yeah. sure what it is.
1: Here's here's <laughs> the only place I get caught up on, Rich. Yep.
2: I know John Hines
1: I is three and eleven as head coach in the playoffs for the Preds and four and fifteen overall in his career in the postseason. And yep. we are talking about a Preds team that other than 2017, a magical year, and other than a couple other seasons where they made it into the second round, mm-hmm. this team has always struggled in the playoffs. And now we are hitching our wagon mm-hmm. to a head coach that has also always struggled in the playoffs as a head coach. That's what gives that's, me that's what gives me pause. That
2: does give <clears throat> I can I can totally understand. I don't, um, I don't really count New Jersey much because that team was bad. They were just horrible. Um, I don't know the bubble year. We had a lot of high hopes. You know, they put the Joe line back together, and we were all tanked up and excited about that. And it it just didn't work out. Um, and then last year, our hearts were really broken. Uh, Carolina, they played so well. And then you know, uh, but you're right. You're absolutely right. Three and eleven with the Predators is not is not a good a good thing. That's for sure.
1: But either way, he did earn himself a two year extension. Yep, it's, it's, I think it's a good number. I, you can't argue with that.
2: No, I think it's a good number. I was <clears throat> there was somebody on um, the old uh, Facebook Predators. I don't remember which one it was talking about how they should have never gotten rid of Peter Lovulet and we should have never hired Heinz and all this stuff. And I'm like, what? Peter Laviolette has not done any better in Washington. Just, just throwing that better. out there
1: for you. No pun not, intended. But, hey, no pun intended, but hindsight is 2020.
2: Oh, hindsight is 2020. Hindsight I have, oh. is
1: 2020.
2: <clears throat> I mean, I lovulet to got, got, totally meant to like, do that. Yeah. Lovulet's got, oh, I don't know. Alex Ovechkin, TJ Oshie, Nicholas Backstrom, John Carlson, Tom Wilson, um, and he's still he's not doing any better than John Hans is at this moment. So,
1: yeah. Speaking of which, I got the playoffs on in the background here. here. The Tampa Bay Lightning are under six minutes away from sweeping the Florida Panthers. That's got to burn a little bit, Rich. That's got to burn you just a tad
2: shouldn't it? It does. I'm t- I'm I'm having a rough time with this playoffs because there are not many teams that I care for. Yeah, <laughs> no just speed straight up. But kind of speed the Rangers, but
1: I mean I didn't I, don't did, know. I, I, I don't tried know. to tell her I, I can you at least give me a little bit of credit going into the playoffs. I tried to say that the Florida Panthers aren't ready to to, to go to a Stanley Cup. They're, they're, they strike me more as a regular season team right now. And mm-hmm. I thought they would sneak out of the first round, mm-hmm. and they did, even though the Capitals pushed them kind of to the brink. But I didn't see them getting swept.
2: I, I'm going to be honest, I didn't either. And this game especially, the shot count is 44-24. to 24. The um, Panthers coach has won two coaches' challenges – To overturn goals, and they're still losing one nothing, and they got scored on by Pat Maroon. You're in bad trouble if you're letting that dude score on you.
1: I'm just telling you. Well, then also Andre Andre Vasilevsky has held the Panthers to three goals over three game over three plus games. So if the Panthers don't score in this game and they end up losing Mm -hmm. one nothing, they're going to end up going. they're gonna end up having three goals in four games in this series. That's crazy. And
2: then and then what was it? <clears throat> the Panthers didn't score a power play goal until like game three of this series. They were yeah. like oh in twenty seven I mean, or something like that. I mean, um, where is Jonathan
1: who where has Jonathan Huberto been? He has been kind of a ghost sure. in these playoffs.
2: Him and um I have seen a lot of good skating by the Panthers. Um Verhage's been really fast tonight. I've been watching the whole thing, um, but man, Vasilevsky, you just can't, you just can't get anything past him. I mean, it was just, it's just, yeah, near impossible. He's a giant. And then we're getting, an ready, we're getting ready.
1: We're getting ready. We're getting ready to see the Avs versus the Blues, which um, I guess I'm going to go ahead and ask you right now, Rich. So far, <laughs> watching this series, I know the Avs are up two to one. It's been no shortage of drama in this series for no. some really <laughs> bad reasons. <laughs> some really ugly reasons in re- in uh, regards to uh, Nazem Kadri and the threats that he received, the racist threats that he reportedly received Ridiculous. Um, after crashing into Bennington, which was honestly just a hockey play. I don't think it was malicious at all.
2: <laughs> I don't think so either. Truthfully. And it's, just, it's
1: really, it's kind of really just makes me sick to my stomach that, um, there's fans out there from all fan bases. They all exist mm-hmm. in every fan base. So I don't want to just come after St. Louis Blues fans, but it's so sickening to know that some people um, take it this serious to the point where they're going to send threats to somebody. Like, it's just yeah,
2: ridiculous. Yeah, and then um, apparently Jordan Bennington threw a water bottle at Kadri during a interview after the game. <clears throat> and I, I, I just – there's just no – place for any of that stuff that's no, for sure
1: ridiculous. and and bennington's <clears throat> not doing anything to make his reputation any more likable no either and it
2: and it <clears throat> listening to interviews from the coach it really does seem like Kadri's trying to like clean up his image a little bit because i know he's not very well liked um <clears throat> and he's been in a lot of uh been suspended a lot but yeah, that's a tough that's a tough tough game to watch there. Tough series to watch cuz I'm not really sure who I would want to win out of that one.
1: But just speaking of how the series is going, does it make us feel better or worse about the preds being swept by them? Do we feel a little bit better because at least the avs are also Having a pretty easy time with the Blues. I know the Blues are way more have been a little bit more competitive, but mm-hmm. to the defense of the Preds, the Preds could have won Game Two in that series if could not have. if they could have just gotten a little bit of goal production. That game went to overtime, and Connor Ingram yep. stood on his head, but mm-hmm. Bennington also stood on his head and lost in this series. He had fifty four saves, yes, in a game in this series. Yeah, so, for sure. Um, Blues fans know how we feel now.
2: Yeah, I mean. Yeah, it is it is tough because the blues, they're really good. I mean, going into the going into the uh the playoffs, man, they were like killing it. Um I know that at one point they won like eight, nine, ten games in a row or something crazy like that. And you know, Colorados, there's just there's a reason why they uh you know, the reason why they're playing the way they are. They're just really well, really good.
1: Tonight's game four. I'm really interested to see if the Blues can tie this series. Um, I think the if the ABS win again tonight, then uh, I think the Blues are cooked at that point. But if somehow so – They might be cooked anyway, honestly. But if the Avs are just too strong, they're just too Dude, good. Well, I know but
2: Bennington's out. He's out for this series. Uh, so, it's going to be – It's, it's going to be, gonna Huso. be Huso. Huso.
3: And he so And he's
2: been awesome. He's, he's been, been good. Awesome. But – he, I think the last time he played up until he came in the other night was he played one game in the Minnesota series, and um, he hasn't played since. So, the nerves are probably going to be getting to him a little bit. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know who I would want to win out of that one because, yeah, I don't know. It's Just for it. pure
1: entertainment purposes, give me Tampa Bay Lightning versus Colorado Avalanche in the Stanley Cup. It would be a bloodbath. That I mean, I mean, it's
2: really, it's really trending. If you look, if you look, I don't, I really don't see anybody beating Tampa Bay.
1: I just don't see how if, it's going to happen. Not if Andre Vasilevsky is playing like he's playing. I mean,
2: yeah, absolutely. And then you look at so let's say Colorado does a win. Can Calgary or, or Edmonton beat? Them? I mean, <laughs> well, well, let's go. Let's, let's get to just, that too.
1: Let's get to Edmonton real quick. They're finally starting to get their oh, maximum yeah. potential from their players right now. Connor McDavid. We're about to do our top ten best players left in these playoffs. So that's perfect. That's perfect segue there. Let's get into it. This is episode one thirty of Catfish on Ice with Chad Minton and Rich Howe. Kyle Perkins is about to join us. He'll jump in on the conversation as we do these top ten best players. Left in the playoffs, I I compiled the list. So everyone can come after me. Yeah. Don't come after Rich,
2: unless all I right. say let's, something you don't agree with.
1: <laughs> let's start with number one, which is the most obvious, and let's talk about him. Connor McDavid is showing us that yes, I am indeed the best player in the world, and you are all idiots for ever questioning that. I mean, it's <clears throat> on another level right now.
2: He is on another level. He's like a we always say he's like a video game for sure. Nick He's Jesus is living up to the name. He's Jesus. living up to the
1: nickname McJesus right now.
2: Yeah, what's his face? Um what's that analyst on TNT? Oh, Charles gosh. Barkley? No, yeah, <laughs> Charles Barkley, that's him. Um Wayne gresky No, no, no. What's his <laughs> Sorry name? Sorry for all the
1: bad guesses.
2: The other guy, uh Bizonette, Paul Biznet. He was calling okay, yeah. uh Connor McDavid McJesus the other night. So that was pretty good. Um yeah, when I got your list, I was looking at the playoffs uh points for Connor McDavid. This is his best playoff ever. Twenty three. Twenty three this year already. That's the best he's ever done. The most he had ever was nine in, in the playoffs. So I think he's definitely uh definitely stepped it up. That's for and, sure.
1: Uh, Uh, Something that Jay Fresh Hockey shared, McDavid's 23 points in 10 games so far would have led the playoffs in scoring in 2011, 2012, 2015, and 2019. Mm. Also, 2003 and 2007. So, he's not even in the conference finals yet, if they make it that far. And McDavid's already got enough points to lead six different playoffs from the past right now.
2: Yeah, I mean you know he, he's awesome it's it's fun to watch him play although i haven't gotten to watch any of the games cuz they come on too late and um have seen he's, highlights and he's just he's he's
1: gliding he is and he's making yeah. everyone around him so much better i mean yeah. you're looking you're looking at this roster you're seeing Vander Kane he gets the natural hat trick mm-hmm. in the last game uh then you you're of course you know about Leon Dreisaitl. we're about to <laughs> sit, tell you where he's at on, on my list but um that you're seeing players like Zach Hyman who um who I've always kind of liked Zach Hyman in the way he plays but I mean you're just seeing this team really get the most out of all their players right now we, you know I've always accused the Oilers of being a little bit top heavy mm-hmm. but mcdavid's making everyone <laughs> around him better now and I mean I, I I saw a really interesting list here so he's got 23 points right now let's say that they go ahead and they knock out the um the the Flames. They're only up two to one in the series. I think the Flames have something to say about that. I don't think you can count yeah. out the Flames yet. But let's just say, for the sake of argument, that the Oilers go to the next round. Well, I'm looking at the all time most points in a playoffs. And Wayne Gretzky has the all time record. Big surprise there. Of course. <laughs> uh, what record does he not have? But, mm-hmm. uh, Gretzky had 47 points in 1984, 1985 playoffs. Wow! So you're looking at it. It's very conceivable that if McDavid and the Oilers go to the Stanley Cup final, that McDavid can break Gretzky's record. It could happen.
2: That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. That's for sure. <clears throat> yeah. Looking these at are, looking uh, at some of the, these look
1: looking at some of these other players that are on this list. Uh, Nikita Kucherov's on there. Um, you mm-hmm. see uh, Mario Lemieux on there, Joe Sakic, uh, Mike Bossy, Evanny Malkin in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, put up thirty six uh, points, and then you see a whole lot of Wayne Gretzky on there. <laughs> so yeah.
2: yeah, just fills out the fills out the rest of the list.
1: All right, so he's he's the undisputed number one top ten players in the left in the playoffs right now on my list. No dispute there, right, Rich?
2: No dispute there.
1: Good to know. None, number none two. All. Number two on my list, and I'm sorry, but it's uh one A and one B, but definitely one B. Leon Dreisaitl is my number two. Are you okay with that or would you bump Leon Dreisaitl back? I kind of struggled with this a little with a little bit, but it's um, it's, it's it's hard because ranking the players that are left in the playoffs. It is. So I threw Leon <coughs> Dreisaitl number two.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I'd agree with that. As much as it would is gonna pain me to say this. I think Nikita Kucherov has played really well. Um, He
1: has played really well.
2: um, As much as I hate to admit it. So Um,
1: Dreisaitl shouldn't be overlooked here. He's got seven goals, 12 assists for 19 points. So he's only four points behind McDavid's pace.
2: He is. And another, that's his playoffs best, uh, 19 Mm -hmm. points. The last uh, best he did was 2016, 17 with 16 points, six goals, ten assists. So, yeah, man, he's right there too. I mean,
3: they're yeah, arguably
2: so, arguably two of the two of the, you know, when you say top two, five hockey players yeah. right now, they're definitely two one two or one and three definitely. So, so two yeah, of the, it's, the, it's the so the two
1: list. best players left in these playoffs are they play on the same line. I mean, tell me how that's yep. fair, but yeah. um. That's kind of why Edmonton's gotten all this criticism over the past years is Mm -hmm. along with Toronto is because they've got these great players, but they just haven't produced. Well, now they're finally figuring it out. And it seemed like it was always inevitable that eventually Connor McDavid was going to go deep in the playoffs. And let's see if it's at the expense of a really fun Calgary Flames team. We'll have to wait and see. But like I said, I don't think that series is over quite yet. I no, I, think I think the flame the flames are going to have something to say in Game Four. I really a, feel that way.
2: They're a scrappy team. So, All by right, the way, numbers the, the Florida well,
1: Panthers were yes, just swept. It's official. They're in doing a
2: handshake right now. Yeah, um, I got to ask you, how old is Joe Thornton? He's like forty five, right? Isn't <laughs> Let's he? Let's look it up.
1: He's, he's got to be up there.
2: He looks. So like wore out. I, I, he's got, if this is he's got to retire, right? He's got to retire. I mean, that right? I beard
1: of his is like iconic. By the way, <clears throat> I bet he's like. He's, I'm gonna he's, go. He's I 42. Think. He's 42, 42 years old. Yeah, that was,
2: yeah, that was gonna say. But he, um, his
1: career, his career started in 1997, which means that I was, um I don't even think I, I definitely wasn't even in high school yet. I was at like barely entering <laughs> middle school. For everyone who wants to know how old I am. Um, that's wild to me that that dude is still in the league. Yeah,
2: but, um, yeah, I bet he, I bet he, he
1: retires. Here. Uh, Zadane okay. retired. This might be a good moment for him to step out. He's had a great career, but I hate um, it for you. you know, he went yeah. to Florida
2: and they, you know, they were building something good. Obviously, they had a really good chance this season, but man, his playoffs just killed them. They just, yeah, I don't know if it was so much. I mean, obviously, Tampa Bay is amazing, but. Oh, whoa! So Speaking
1: much. of which, we're barely five minutes into the game, and the Blues just scored first here in Game oh, wow. Four. That's crazy. Let's see what happens here.
2: You turned just it on. Winning puck it.
1: battles. Winning puck battles. That's something that the Preds did not do against the Avalanche.
2: Was it David Perron? He, once yeah, again, this is going to pain me, pain me to say this, but <clears throat> he's had a really good uh, playoffs. <laughs> he's played really well.
1: Well, let's get back to my list here. So, yeah, number we'll three the- number three is a player you just mentioned. It's a player you don't like, but it's actually a player I, no. I really like. It's Nikita Kuch- Kucherov. And I'm I'm telling you, the thing about Nikita Kucherov is this dude knows how to show up in the playoffs. He's done it the last two postseasons. He's doing it again this year. Kucherov right now uh, has four goals and 11 assists. That's coming into tonight's game four. Um, let's see. He should have scored tonight, but they called a hand pass uh, on his goal. Let's see. Did he score tonight? He did not score tonight. What's that, so Kyle? St-
2: Kyle? Did Nikita Kucherov score tonight? He did not. Did he? No, he didn't. He did not.
0: No, <laughs> but he, he should have
1: probably. Sh- yes. He that they, they they because the okay, goal he scored okay. had nothing. The goal he scored had nothing to do with the. Hand, I mean, the hand, it was a hand pass out of the face. It was a weird play though. You don't see that happen very often.
2: It was weird. Yeah, it I was agree. an
0: odd one. But my God, what a freaking wagon is Tampa! Right. I mean, I know. Just... Welcome in, Kyle. By the way, welcome, welcome in, man. And you got I a haircut. Look at you. I awesome. did. I I look less like a hobo. Mm. I I, I, was, I told somebody the other day. I said um. I've got the the homeless guy beard, and then the Do you know why I pulled you over? A haircut. There you go. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> it's all
1: it's That's all business awesome. up top, but it's party down below in the front.
2: Yeah, it's like a weird, some kind of like alternate it. universe mullet.
1: Yeah, I dig yeah. it. Yeah, <clears> with <throat> that. All yeah. right. Anyway, well, back Kyle, to future. You, all. Kyle, you're, Kyle, you're dropping in right on my top ten players currently left in the playoffs. Not players who were already eliminated in these playoffs. But players who are still in it, and um, that was before the Panthers were eliminated tonight. So we can still <clears throat> Panthers players are still up for grabs. But um, number one was obviously Connor McDavid. Number two, I threw in Leon Drysital, but I feel like that's tough. Do you agree with that pick? Do you think they're definitely one and two on your list, Kyle? McDavid Drysital,
0: or just- I wouldn't put Drysital much lower than
1: like fourth would be the bottom. Okay, it's a good. It was good, tough. solid and i got kucherov number 3 and i'm kind of say, i'm also going off i'm going off how they're playing in these playoffs too i'm not just going off of like true. their whole careers I, i'm going off kind of how they're playing in these playoffs as well that's kind of how, that was it, and this was tough i mean there's no right answers here like this was a really hard list to make but um i put kucherov number 3 just cuz he's ha- he's always been so good in the playoffs he just shows up in the playoffs he he is that good he is he's a special yeah.
0: player
2: I was looking up his stats. He's going to have a long reach to get to his personal best of 34 points. <laughs> Which he was Back on that 19, list I brought uh, up
1: earlier. He was, Yeah, yeah he was on 20, that list 20, we were bringing 20. up earlier that, that Connor McDavid's going to climb up if, he, if the Oilers stick around and go deep in these playoffs. But, um, all right. Yep. Number four, I went – God, this list got so hard. I mean, it, but it was fun compiling really? it. Number uh-huh. four – He's not ha- – I mean, he's not having the best playoffs, but he's still ha- – but honestly, the of the they're only playing their eighth game of the postseason tonight. So, there's that. But I still put Nathan McKinnon at number four on my top ten best players left in the playoffs. He's got five goals, four assists in seven games um, so far coming into tonight's game four. So, um, you guys agree with that? Or would you put someone ahead of McKinnon? Goaltenders are allowed too. Then, yeah. I would –
2: yeah, I I was looking at your list. I I may have – I don't know four, but I, I may – like Vasilevsky and I were going to talk talk about him, obviously. I may have moved him up – might have moved him up a little bit more, but um,
0: –
1: Yeah, so I would have Vasilevsky in while, my top five. Yeah. Well, definitely watching what Vasilevsky – I made this list before tonight's game that yes. they just played. And, I mean, Vasilevsky just – I mean we'll talk how many him, shots man. on goal did the How many shots on goal did the Panthers in this game I want to say 45 49, 49 49 Panthers had 49 oh, shots Lord. on goal 49 save shutout for Vasilevsky. That is so
2: cool. I think when I think when are unbeatable uh, <clears throat> when Tampa scored that first goal that got called back the shot count was like 24 to 7 at that point Something crazy. They're
1: unbeatable. If that's how Vasilevsky's going to play, then they're, they are literally unbeatable. Yeah. But they're going to have to, man. All they're right. going to have to send because Vasilev- like, Vasilevsky, Vasilevsky, kind of had a little bit of a subpar regular season, at least by his standards. <laughs> well, Kyle's disappearing behind his backdrop. That, that know, was yeah. kind
2: of freaky. And, and he, he got off to a shaky start when uh, Toronto dropped the, the uh, seven points yeah. on him, seven goals or whatever it wound up being. So he did get off to a shaky start, but I think ever since then he's definitely, uh, especially in this Florida series. I mean, they just couldn't get anything past him.
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put Vasilevsky at number five though. You guys have talked into it. I'm gonna at least put him at number five after watching watching the game just now. I'm gonna revise my list a little bit. I'm going to put go. Vasilevsky at number five. You can't deny what he just did. I mean, that's just yep. like crazy stuff. 49 save shutout against the Florida Panthers, might I add. And so the Panthers only scored three goals over the entire four game sweep. That's just hard to wrap my head around. And it's the tough. Panther, it's not like the
0: Panthers have been a low scoring, grinded out team this year. No. They've been, we're going to just put a touchdown on. Everybody is basically mm-hmm. how they've played all year, and
1: presence trophy curse lives on.
0: Yeah, no. that's if Nashville ever has that opportunity. I hope they melt it down in the parking lot.
2: Yeah, <laughs> just, just don't, just don't okay. even go get your picture with it. Just like,
1: yeah, we'll I'm take going, it, I guess. But we don't I'm going number six. It. I'm going number six. Then coming up after Vasilevsky, I'm going number six. Uh, oh, Cal mean. McCarr. See, it's. Not no, I think foul. you have to. I think oh, you moved him up to five. No, yeah, I, I, I'm revising my list, Rich. Don't okay. go off the list I sent you earlier. I'm going because we okay. just watched that Panthers game, and I yeah, I, I got the it stats pulled bit, up. So so. back, I'm good. I moved that back back up a little bit, but I'm going. I, I'm going Cal Macar number six,
2: followed McCarr.
1: by Victor Hedman number seven, because I've, I've also been very. I've been very – so I, I watched a lot of the Tampa, Tampa Bay, these playoffs. I have just like I just happened to be home a lot of times when they've been on in both series. And I just – one of the things – I know you don't like them, Rich, but one of the things that's so <laughs> impressive about Tampa Bay is – I call you out on it all the time, Rich. It's so funny. I but, made a face. Um, as
2: soon as you said, I watched all the games. I went, mm.
1: It's just so interesting. It's just so impressive how they just – play so in tune with each other. Like they're always yeah. in the right, it seems like they're always in the right place at the right time. I'm not saying they're perfect. They had some breakdowns against Toronto, but it's just like they're a well-oiled machine. And then i watch a player like Victor Hedman, he's always making the right defensive decision. He's, he's, he's not the lights out scorer like Roman Yossi is, but he is just like always in the right place at the right time. And it's like that mm-hmm. team very rarely makes self-inflicted um, mistakes. Like yep. you're gonna have to beat them. They're not gonna give it to Absolutely. you. You're gonna have to go and take it from them, and that's what Absolutely. I've gotten out of them from these playoffs. And Victor Hedman's a big part of that.
2: I will say, out of out of all the Tampa players, Victor Hedman is my favorite. I like him a lot. He's awesome. Um, he's got a killer shot. It's really hard shot. Um, he's a big monster. I mean, he's like six six. So he's like probably six, eight, or nine on skates. Um, yeah, I like him a lot. He he's probably probably def, he's definitely my favorite player on the team. That's for sure. I, I don't mind him at all.
0: He he's definitely one of the best defensive defensemen in the league.
2: Yes, that's mm-hmm. absolutely. That definitely. is a good uh, good call out for sure.
1: All right, what am I at? Am I not, I'm at number eight now? All right, number eight. I'm um, <laughs> I'm going purely objective here. It's not because or well, these next two players, I'm going purely objective here, and it's not because I like either one of these players as people or who they are. I'm going off what they've done in these playoffs and what and their pure talent. Number number eight. I'm going Jordan Bennington because he mm-hmm. actually has played very well um in these playoffs. Looking ahead at his numbers, I mean yeah. he's four and one. Four and one with a .949 save percentage, one and two goals against average. Had fifty-four saves in the game one time, lost to Colorado. Um, had three wins versus Minnesota, where he, where he only gave up five goals combined over those three wins. I mean, can't mm-hmm. deny that. As unlikable as the guy right. is, his, his yeah. play on the ice has been pretty, that, uh, been pretty impressive in these playoffs. That,
2: that one point seven two goals against—that's that's strong. That's for sure. Uh, it's, a, a, a really it's kind of a
0: that it's kind of a shame that he's not gonna get to
1: continue it. Uh
2: it but. is, it is for sure. Um I watched that game. Um it was, it was especially rough.
1: considering what's coming out of it, you know. It, th- <clears throat> it was rough codry yeah, stuff. Sure. It just makes me sick. The stuff that Nas and, and Codry's having to deal with.
0: And, and Codry's a dirty player. I understand that, but that he he got pushed into him. Yeah.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, it was it was a hot. It
2: was a rough him.
1: hockey. It was a rough hockey play.
2: I can't believe I'm going to say this, but Kadri has actually been minding him, minding his manners quite a bit
0: throughout. Yeah, the I thought the so same far. thing. It's like he's I, been very well behaved. He hasn't no su- yeah. He's had no suspect plays at yeah. all. Yeah,
2: I mean, and and you look at it. I I don't know. You look at the play, and like you said. You know they're going for a loose puck right in front of the crease. What are you going to do? You're going to skate as hard as you can to try to get it. I mean, what? what you know, it's just an unfortunate incident that happened. It's like when um when Gerard got hit and broke his sternum or whatever. That was just a an unfortunate, uh you know, nothing dirty about it's just it. A, and, oh, it's, it's it's a and it's a playoff series.
1: And it's a it's a playoff series full of emotions. And mm-hmm. I understand why. I was, Blues fans are a little upset because they just lost their goaltender who was playing great hockey. And now they feel like their chances are gone now because, um, even though huso has been a decent backup, it has been a good backup for them. I don't think he's good enough no. to, to get, get them past the Avs, And now they're down two one, but, um, that doesn't Something, make any excuse for some of the boneheaded things that are going uh, yeah, on, for sure. Uh, in far as far as threats and and all this sure. all this garbage that you just makes you really sick to your stomach when you see stuff like that. But no. um, you know. and another
2: another telling thing was um, nobody tried to fight Kadri afterwards. You know they they you know the game yeah. just continued on. They knew. I mean they know they know that it wasn't dirty. I mean if it if it was if they would have thought. That it would have been something dirty, you'd have seen a brawl. And that's that's mm-hmm. what would have happened. Because you're trying, you know, you, you know them hockey players, man, they're really touchy when you go touching their goaltender. So Yeah. I think they realized True. that it wasn't wasn't a uh, wasn't on purpose. So but yeah, the rest of it's just stupid. It's just ridiculous.
1: All right, so So Bennington's number eight on my top ten players left in the playoffs. Number nine, it's another player that I don't like. I don't like all of his off-the-ice stuff. I'm purely going off what he's done on the ice, and I can't deny the fact he's leading the league in playoff goals, and he just had a natural hat trick. Um, just based on his play, Evander Kane comes in at number nine. No one come after me. I'm not saying I like the guy. I'm not saying I'm going to go buy me a Evander Kane jersey, and I'm definitely sure as hell not um, overlooking all the the bad stuff he's done off the ice. But purely hockey speaking, he has been really instrumental for the Edmonton Oilers, and I know he's – Receiving a, he's on the beneficiary end of playing with Connor McDavid and Leon Drysital. That's why I haven't had number nine is because he's very mm-hmm. fortunate to get to play with those two players. You know, if he's playing for a different team, he's probably not scoring ten goals and leading the league in the playoffs goals. Mm-hmm. But I still got him at number nine. He's he is proving to pay dividends for them on the ice. He's giving them a third scoring punch. Um, and uh, it's just unfortunate that it's that it's him because he's not likable in any way whatsoever. But just yeah. purely the way he's playing, I, I just I gotta call it what it is. I mean, he's he's. I mean, yeah, making a he's big difference
2: for them. He's obviously playing really well. Um, I haven't really paid attention. Has he done anything stupid this season? That anybody knows of? Oh, you. He's before Edmondson or <laughs> after? Well, I knew, no, I knew. I, yeah, I know everything before i'm talking about like in Edmonton right now has he done- i don't
0: think he's done anything dumb since he's got to Edmonton but he did so much dumb before that that yeah yeah
2: well maybe he's trying to turn it around let, let me let me
1: round out my let me round out my list with number 10 and then i want you guys to come in with maybe some players i left off and some players you would switch off because i'm not saying my list is perfect here number 10 i had struggled with number 10 but a lot of the players that i kind of wanted to put on there really haven't done that much these playoffs so that's why i went with this player I went with Johnny Goudreau of the Calgary Flames at number 10. Um, he's only got two goals this this postseason, but he's also got 11 assists. And I feel like his shooting mm-hmm. percentage, he's been a little um, – he's had some bad puck luck in this offseason – or in these playoffs. I'm um, Just looking at his numbers here, two goals, 11 assists. He's got 40 shots on goal. His shooting percentage is down at a 5%. So if he keeps shooting – if he keeps doing what he's always done his entire career, I think he'll start getting some more goals. He can make a big difference for the Flames getting back in this series and hopefully winning this series over the Edmonton Oilers. But he's got to start finding the back of the net. 40 shots on goal and only two goals to show for it. Mm-hmm. Not going to get it done. I think his luck's going to bounce around before this series is over. So I put him at number 10 to round out my list. Top 10 players left in the playoffs. Who did I leave out, gentlemen? Throw in some players.
2: Well, I would have said <clears throat> Igor Shosturkin, but that dude struggled a little bit See, as well. So, well,
1: I, I saw, yeah, I wanted to mm-hmm. put him on, but then I'm like, I'm getting a little goaltender heavy here, and really Shosturkin's not been his regular season. So, yeah, right, just yeah, no, I'm he hasn't. Normally, been it, I would uh, say that regular season form. I could, um. you know, I, I I couldn't put Braden Point in there. I couldn't put him overall. If we're just talking purely best players in the league, then maybe. But just going mm-hmm. off these playoffs, he's missed a few games. In these mm-hmm. playoffs, to no fault of his own, I kind of <clears> kind of threw him out. He's only played seven games in these playoffs. Um, Miko Rantanen, big fan of his game, but he hasn't really done much in these playoffs. He hasn't scored a goal in these playoffs what's yet.
2: Uh, what's Steven Stamkos done? Is he not a lot? Yeah, I know he has. Also, I didn't, I every- didn't
1: want to go. I didn't want to go, go too heavy go- on Tampa players.
0: Full on Tampa.
1: Everything fans on love-
0: Tampa has been spread out. Yeah, yeah. they've had so much from everybody. And I will throw you a wild card in there. And this guy's not even on a team that's playing. That's Brady to Chuck. That is the MVP (laughs) of the playoffs right there. Showing up and supporting his brother and chugging beers. And if you can't get behind that (laughs) and enjoy that, you can't be my friend. And that's
1: all I'm gonna say. About oh, that. I don't. Why well, upset over this, Kyle? Like, I, I've kind of seen some people talk about it. Like, but they like, someone oh, really upset about him being? There?
0: Yeah, they were mad. They were. He's the captain of the Ottawa Senators. Oh he gosh. shouldn't be showing up in a flame shirt. This which like, is,
2: which is like, why he's in the stands watching his
0: brother play. <laughs> and he's out there. It's him and his dad. His dad's a legend. I love it. And they're just out there crushing beers with fans in the freaking normal seats they're not in a booth they're not in a suite they're out there amongst the people brady's got some random kid on his shoulders celebrating a win <laughs> it's hockey needs this you need that from your superstars you need it them to, to have a personality to have a soul that's shown to the people you yeah i think
1: the uh, the, uh i ahead. was gonna say real quick rich the person who's upset about that's probably the same person who's upset about people wearing um hockey jerseys to games. Did you see that? Did you did <laughs> you see that ridiculous? Did you see that ridiculous thread? That I don't even want to name the person. Honestly, it has to be a bot or a troll.
2: If they weren't but this dude, if they weren't so this expensive. This dude did like I a wear this, a hockey jersey every day.
1: <laughs> this dude Number did one, a ten tweet. This this person did a ten tweet tweet thread. Like honestly, I lost like three minutes of my life reading this thing. And I'm kind of upset Mm -hmm. about that, but I mean, the guy's going on talking about like, Oh, you're a grown person and you're ridiculous for wearing another grown man's Jersey and get a life. And it's like, you are, you are definitely the president of the no fun club. And he's probably also upset about, um, about, uh, Brady Chuck supporting his brother. He's probably the same person.
2: Probably doesn't like puppies.
1: Oh no. He doesn't want anyone to have fun at all. No fun club. Doesn't like going Everyone to show up in a parks. Everyone everyone should everyone show up in a plain colored polo. Not even stripes on it. Just a plain colored polo and khakis to every game and sit down and be polite and don't cheer too loudly. That's probably how he feels about it. Doesn't like Maybe. ice cream. Oh my gosh. Anyway. Doesn't like ice cream. All right. So I also kind of wanted to
2: play I found another person real quick. Mika is a bit right. of I think he's playing Yes, really well.
1: for the Rangers.
2: <clears throat> yeah. I should have put he's him on there, honestly. Points,
1: he's had, a, four goals he's had a really good playoff.
2: Yeah, I like that dude. I like him a lot. He's
1: very humble, Also, I mean,
2: too. he is humble. Yeah.
1: Also, he Every gets overlooked a lot. He's a really good player. He gets overlooked a lot. Also, that's a good another player on that team, which doesn't have he's not really stacking up the points, but three game winning goals in these playoffs so far is uh Chris Kreider for the New York mm-hmm. Rangers. He's yeah, I don't like goals the guy, overall. you can like, say he's not good.
2: Yeah. He Three didn't game make, winning
1: goals is harder to deny.
2: Yeah. He didn't uh, gain any points in my book when that uh, – did you all see that video where uh, Mika Zibinejad was looking at the, the iPad and Kreider grabbed it and threw it on the ground? Did you see that? I think yeah. It was like two I two that. games ago. I was like, yeah, they were – he that. was like looking at the video on the iPad and Kreider just grabbed it from him and threw it down and was yelling and stuff and – Zibinijad was just kind of nah, sitting I there. That, well, but okay. I what will the hell, say dude? the context
0: mm-hmm. of that, Zibinijad was looking at himself messing up. No. And Crowder didn't want him to look at it. Oh, okay. So, well, there you go. Well, thank yeah. you. I didn't know that.
1: How'd you so, find that? There you go. That's I,
0: awesome. Somebody shared it. Um, and they were showing the play leading up to that. Okay. And Zibinijad, he'd whiffed on a pass or something. Right. And...
2: Well, I'll take it back then. I'll take it so back. It was That's actually good. That's a good
1: captain. To, he was trying <laughs> to be a good And then look at, looking at two really high-scoring, highly offensive teams who I didn't include any players off these teams uh, because basically their big guns aren't doing much in these playoffs. First, the Florida Panthers, Claude Giroux. I mean, mm-hmm. he had oh, eight man. points in nine games. Eight points in nine games is nothing to scoff at, but not enough to put, put you on the top ten. Uh, Barkov only has uh, two goals, uh, five assists, not bad. Huberdeau, where was Huberdeau at? One yeah. goal in these playoffs for Jonathan Huberdeau. One that goal right there it. is the story of them getting swept. Mm-hmm. Uh, woof. Woof. Yeah, I mean, how much better it, do it, you think you're asking Toronto me
0: to- fans feel right now?
1: They Probably feel mm-hmm. a lot better now. Honestly, a little. I don't know. I don't know if anything's going to bring them back. <laughs> They're so crushed. But um, that's a good point. Which one? Uh, did you uh, if you were g- Toronto. Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> Poor Toronto. At least took me a
1: If you were giving me a crystal ball and you were saying, "Okay, you're going to do a top ten list in the second round of the playoffs," the Florida Panthers are still going to be in it. Who's going to be on your top ten list? I would have said Jonathan Huberdeau is going to be on there for sure. Like. He's going to be on my top ten list, but yeah. nope, he had a really rough playoffs. It's crazy, and right? then for I mean, Carolina, I mean, for Carolina, Ter- hey, he's got nine points in ten games, not bad. Ajo, four goals, four assists. I will say, Ranta's had a really good Ranta's had a really good uh, playoffs for them, but um, Carolina's yeah. kind of coming quickly, like St. Louis for me. I cannot stand Carolina. Um, and uh-huh. did you guys see you where the Empire off. State? Did you see where the Empire State Building? Um, put uh, your tweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they yeah, That crowning achievement of um thirteen years of being on Twitter is the Empire State Building to, liked my tweet. That's I'm going to retire. I'm retiring my Twitter. I, I do not need to ever do anything else on Twitter ever again because the Empire State Building liked my uh, tweet. But <laughs> you should print it uh, off. Yeah, the and Empire State it. Building. The so uh, the Carolina hurricane social media which is just the, they're the, they're just the biggest smart asses ever but you know, um, they put a, I know a
2: lot of yeah.
1: they put a storm is headed for NYC and they did like this red and black hurricane cloud over uh, the Empire State Building animated yeah. and then Empire yeah. State Building I guess it's just funny cuz it's the account but the Empire State Building um just did a screenshot of the final score which was one to the one uh, Rangers yeah. or one to three. Yeah. But, um, good stuff. It's good to
2: see them get their, get their comeuppance. That's for sure. So I can, uh, I I can promise you I would have never,
1: I can promise you I never thought I would have followed the empire state building and who knows if they ever tweet anything, but I followed the empire state building today. I follow them now. They gained a follower.
2: You have a follow a building. That's awesome. (laughs) I follow a
1: building. Yes, I do. (laughs) All right. All right. So that's that's my list. Um, also, I, I want to give list. some love to Mike Smith. I'm sorry, Lindsey, but I'm going to give a little love to Mike Smith because um, he's also yeah, having a really good series for Edmonton.
2: Forty-one year old man out there stopping those pucks. He's, he's somehow he's figuring he it out. I
1: mean, he's six and three record in these playoffs. Two shutouts, nine three three save percentage, two point five five goals against. I think that was one of the questions we had for the Oilers: was is their goaltending going to hold up? Well, so far it has. So mm-hmm. um, yeah.
2: He almost got taken. All right, out. Kyle.
1: Kyle, let's get into your Milwaukee Admirals update. Let's let's uh, find out how the uh, how the boys do like are doing up north. Do you like
2: I them? I can't tell. I can't tell.
0: <laughs> um, well, <coughs> the Admirals are the baby Preds, and they are definitely doing Preds things. Oh, so Milwaukee finish out there. They're, their, purding. they're purding. Yeah, they're purding. Mm. They're purding hard. Um, so the the Admirals the finished out their, uh, series with the Manitoba Moose, won their first playoff series since 2011. Um, wow. So yeah. Wow. That's quite the stat there. And their grand prize is winning a series against the Chicago Wolves. Now, if you remember from last year, they shared a team between Milwaukee and Chicago, um, Carolina. Yeah. With Carolina, <laughs> And these these guys are the Colorado Avalanche of the AHL. Of course they are.
2: Oh
1: joy! <laughs> they oh are, joy!
0: Yeah, they are an absolute wagon. Um, needless to say, the first two games were in uh, Chicago, and Milwaukee's down zero and two, and not just zero and two. Uh, Connor Ingram has been pulled in both games. Oh, man. Um, Don't like to hear that. Yeah. Uh, uh, the last game was an eight to two route. Um, wow. Yeah, it's it's been pretty rough. Uh, but they're dealing with some injuries. Uh, the last game, Tommy Novak was out. Um, I remember seeing that. Uh, Matt Tennyson, who played a couple games in Nashville, And played well. He's been out. Uh, He's got a nagging injury that he just can't seem to get over. Um, And he's a pretty big part of their decor. Um, So you had Adam Willsby making his first ever start uh, after he came over. Um, And then just trying to get people in to fill these spots. And you're going against a team that's that high powered. And it's just a rough look. Uh, they play again Wednesday night. It's gonna be interesting to see whether uh Cooley starts Ooh. instead
1: of Ingram. Um, oh yeah.
0: Cooley has how's uh,
1: look, I was gonna ask you a quick Kyle, how is uh Rock Grimaldi look too? He's been okay. Uh
0: he's been on the line with Cody Glass a lot. Um they make a lot of chances. It's just like the goaltender for Chicago is Alex Lyon, and uh, he's been exceptionally good. He's mm. he's made some saves that just make you go wow. Uh, it's just Cody Glass looks good, but I I'm not, and I know I've talked about this kid several times. Usual Parsonen is something. There there was a shift. I kid you not, he comes in, brings the puck through the neutral zone, dumps it in, goes in, wins the puck battle for the puck that he dumped in, then centers it perfectly for two Mm -hmm. of his teammates who watch the puck go by them across the crease to the other board. He goes over against the other board, wins that puck battle, takes the puck back, and goes back and takes a shot. By himself. That while everybody like, else. That sit sounds there like and watch.
1: hey that That sounds like John Hines um mentality hockey right there, just hard working, winning puck you know. battles. That sounds perfect for what the preds need eventually when he gets up here.
0: Thoroughly impressed with that kid. He's noticeably noticeable on the ice every shift he plays. Um, just physical. And you wouldn't expect that from a European player like that, but mm-hmm. he's not afraid to to move somebody out of the way with violence for a forward. Uh, Do you, um, you know how old he is? 20, he, I think. 20. <clears throat> Off the top of my head, 20. But uh, Cody Glass, he's looked good. A lot of your... Tommy Novak has looked really good, and I I don't know why he's out. Uh, hmm.
1: It's like any time Tommy Novak's on the ice, whether it's been with the Preds or with Admirals, he looks great. It's just a matter of him being able to stick and stay on the ice and stay healthy. It sounds like that. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, let's see what happens. Hmm. Let's see what happens on Wednesday. Um, either way, I think it's been a really great season for the admirals it's been fun keeping up with them They got a lot of promise um and it's just really fun seeing a window in the future into the future of a lot of these players who are eventually going to be playing big minutes mm-hmm. for the preds um uh, most notably cody glass like you mentioned and of course mm-hmm. uh connor let's see if he can bounce back i was bringing up to rich earlier i want to see if you agree kyle uh even though it's a sit down in competition per se it's got to be really hard just mentally to come off mm-hmm. the Stanley cup playoff stage of going up against the Colorado out being shipped up to, to Milwaukee. And it's like, okay, now we need you to start for this team yeah. uh, in these playoffs, shift your focus, forget about everything that just happened against Colorado and on that stage. And I mean, I know he's playing up against lesser competition maybe, but that's still a really hard thing to ask somebody to do. Yeah, that's, Connor's psychological.
0: Yeah. He's, he got shoved into that Colorado series. Hey, you're the guy. And (laughs) he had to go face all that and all, you know, that had to just be draining. And then he's, he comes back to Milwaukee and it's like, Oh, Hey, you're the guy again. Yeah. And it was a rough series against Manitoba. That was, that came down to the last game. Mm. Um, and then you go to Chicago who is just they're they're ridiculously good. I mean, all half of the kids on this team are going to be NHL regulars. Mm. It's
2: I don't remember the timeline. Did Ingram play in all of the first series?
0: No, uh he missed the first, first. two games. Okay.
2: So he got he played the last five. Mm-hmm. Is it five? Is it five? Is that how many they play? How
1: many they play?
0: Uh, it's a they do five game series. The first oh, okay. two rounds.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, oh, so it's must win on Wednesday. So All got right, play, yeah, so elimination got play, game.
2: Uh, All right. The other three. That's cool. Mhm.
1: All nice. right. Well, we'll be cheering wow. on Milwaukee Admirals on Wednesday. This Wednesday, we're going to be watching them. Let's see if they can can extend their playoff run. Either way, they've had a really good year. It's been fun watching them. All right. Yep. Uh, we are brought to you by DraftKings. This is episode 130 of Catfish and Ice and Hockey Fans. As you know, the pursuit of the Stanley Cup is on and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during these playoffs with DraftKings. Same game parlays you could do just that. Um, I've had a lot of fun betting on um, hockey in these playoffs. I've had some some wins. I've had some losses. Most of my losses came when I was dumb and I went money line on the Preds in Game 3 and Game 4 of the (laughs) Avs. We won't talk about how that ended for me, but either way, DraftKings is a lot of fun. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THBN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win, and get $100 in free bets no matter what That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See our show notes under the episode for details on gambling help. If you need gambling help, responsible gambling practices as well. Also, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want, and you can bet on so many different ways to make money, including how many goals will be scored and more it's your shot at an even bigger payout. So go have fun with that DraftKings Sportsbook. Also, I want to throw some love to a couple of our latest giveaway winners. Oh yeah. So we did a we gave out a free bang t-shirt and a catfish on ice podcast hat, which I'm wearing one right now. So our buddy CJ, who follows the admirals very closely, he lives up there in that neighborhood, that area and goes to admirals games all the time. And, um, he got one of our hats. Also, our two latest giveaway winners, I should say. Yep. Um, congratulations to Kyle Fleming and Liz, yep. who uh, Kyle Fleming won a um, won a bang t shirt, and Liz won a hat. So they will be getting their prizes later this week. So congratulations to you all, and we really appreciate you listening to the podcast. We can't thank you enough for that. We hope you enjoy your gifts. We will be pumping out more merchandise as the off season rolls along and we will be looking to give away more stuff. So, uh,
2: Kyle got his hat.
1: Mm -hmm. Kyle was rocking his hat out. He looked good in it. And then, uh, Rich, you also have a Preds hat you're wanting to do in a giveaway, right?
2: I do. Yeah. I got a brand new, I never even, well, I put it on one time, um, black. But you washed it, right? Uh, yeah, I watched it. No,
1: <laughs> even though you wore it no, once, no, make really sure not. you watch it. Uh, no,
2: no, <laughs> I literally put it on, looked in the mirror and said, Not for me, and took it off. Um, uh, it's a flat, well, you're not build. a big hat, guy. I don't like, like flat-built hats either. So, but it's a cool hat. Yeah, we're gonna be coming up with some kind of uh cool contest to, to give that
1: away. So what we're, uh, what we're, we're saying bit. is, we're gonna be giving away plenty more free stuff throughout yeah. this offseason. So, just uh, stay tuned. Also. Based Kyle on demand. If
2: we, little, I was just gonna say Kyle got an extra little gift in his uh in his winning mm-hmm. basket. Got the little the puck. Um I, I happen to have I happened to get two of those as a gift. So you got the you got the uh, the other one. So it is and, it is in
0: my China cabinet right now. There you go. Yeah. Nice. Sorry about and the crap base that came that way. So. Oh, I'm not demand. worried about that. Based at on all.
1: demand. Based on demand, we will definitely make more more merchandise based on how many people are interested. Uh, we'll get a bunch of stuff made in bulk. So um, just let us know. DM us or tweet us at Catfish Ice. Yep. If you're wanting a, a hat or a shirt or anything else, just let us know and we'll get some stuff made. Yep. All right. So sure. we got a couple more things to get into here. First of all, mm-hmm. at the end of this, can listen to it or if you're watching the stream right now, you're going to have to download the podcast later on when it's available. Abigail Martin joined us later, earlier last week, and uh, yep. we really talked good in-depth offseason season stuff and talked about the press conference, what she, what she was at, at, at and gave us a lot of really, really good information. So stay tuned for the interview with Abigail Martin sure. from Penalty Box Radio and also with Nashville SC She's doing all I mean, what does it she do? She is all over the I place. Know, local she sports is. coverage. Yeah, she sure. is so talented and does so many good mm-hmm. things. So a good uh, follow local sports coverage. Yes. So we were very lucky to have her join us. So stay tuned for that interview. Um, what else do we got to get get into, guys? Oh, yeah. Let's do our most overrated restaurants.
2: <laughs> this was partly I'm a excited little about this.
1: This is such a I mean, this is such a goofy look, topic, but you know what? It's perfect yeah. for the off season.
2: Yeah, it was a little tough. I mean, it's like, just. I like restaurants, you can tell. So, you know, it's. Uh... <laughs> I'm going yeah, to go ahead. And get... many, there's not too I'm... many places I want to eat. So.
1: Oh, I'm going to go ahead and get it's... this ball rolling. I'm going to get this ball rolling and I'm probably going to make people mad. But I, I, I do not get infatuation with Chick-fil-A and why there's always a line around the building. Mm. No matter which Chick-fil-A I drive by, there are Chick-fil-A's. Every corner in the Nashville area and every single one of them, no matter what time of day it is, it is two lines deep, wrapped around the building, going onto the street almost, blocking traffic to get in. And every time I go there, I'm like, it's a chicken sandwich. People are waiting in line for a chicken sandwich and waffle fries. Why, why do people love this restaurant so much? It's I don't get the, it.
2: The the chicken sandwich. It's it's not the best you can get at a restaurant, that's for sure, but it is it is pretty good. But you you get really good service, and that's what people like. That's that's their whole
1: that's true. their
2: whole mo is treat the customer well, and they do a really good job of that. But you're right, the food is not it's not stellar. I will tell you that they have I, they have well, I do got to gotta get. That, I do
1: got to give you that rich. Their drive through is like if they if they can employ what Chick-fil-A does at for like yeah. any other traffic yeah. situation then we would never yeah. traffic ever again. I mean, yeah. you've got like four different employees with iPads. They're all friendly, they're nice, they're nice. and they're like moving yeah. like my issue isn't with them, with the, with the hard work of people that work. It's at the these. Food. It's just the food. I, it's the I just don't think it's that special. I don't know. It's not. Yeah, it's not. You,
2: it's not. Um, it's not great. But it's not. It's am not. I'm being horrible. a little too
1: harsh on Chick Fil A. Or are you a Chick Fil A guy, Kyle? Considering
0: uh, it's probably been three or four years since I've ate there, and it's just because that
1: answers my question.
0: I I don't have one near me. The nearest mm-hmm. one is Elizabeth Town, oh, okay. and most of the time, if I'm up that away, it's a Sunday, so. Elizabeth, like, right down the road from me? Yeah.
2: How far away do you live from Elizabethtown?
0: Uh, about uh, 45 minutes, an hour or so. Oh, yeah. You're not no, that far. No one's driving that far been. for Chick-fil-A. Yeah. What, what, not, uh,
2: what restaurants do you have in your town, Kyle?
0: Dude, we just got a Dairy Queen, and everybody's so Everybody. excited. You know what? I like Dairy Queen. All, That's not going to uh, be on
1: my overrated list.
2: All small towns, Kyle lives in a small town, admittedly so. He's told us before. Oh, yeah. All small towns have Dairy Queens or have a waffle to have house. A Dairy Queen.
0: They're great. What
1: about Waffle House? Dairy, oh, we've got
2: waffle a Huddle House. house. A, huddle, a huddle, house.
1: Huddle, huddle House. There you
2: go. You know what that is? Yeah, that's the poor man's IHOP That's what that is.
1: Well, I'm sure you <laughs> ha- you don't have a Subway. I, I think every small yeah, town has a, a Subway. subway. There's like subways. You got everywhere. a subway and McDonald's right. and
0: Arby's yeah. and Taco Bell yeah. and all that. And you can stuff. have all that,
1: but yeah, all the normal run of the mill stuff. Yeah, but a, I've I've oh, got yeah. one for you. Okay, I've Give got me one, one for you,
0: Kyle. And because I told Brittany about this, my fiance. Whenever uh, I got that message from you, and she just laughed. She said, "I already know what you're saying." The Olive Garden. You're because out of I, your mind.
1: No. no, I, I got to break oh. away from you there. Oh, no. no.
0: I can go to Kroger and get some spaghetti sauce in a jar <laughs> and some noodles <laughs> and have something that tastes the exact same as that stuff you get at Olive Garden. I would rather
1: have fazolis than the Olive Garden. I will give you that.
2: Fazoles. It's, it's all-you-can-eat oh.
1: salad and breadsticks, I rest my case. All-you-can-eat salad and breadsticks with that salad dressing. That's you don't even have to give me so the good. pasta. I don't need the pasta need that gigantic bowl of salad with all the dressing mixed in perfectly and those breadsticks. I do not have to order anything off the menu. That's I can eat that. Just give me that.
2: I get that. I get a salad and get fettuccine, Alfredo. I'm good. It's good. So good.
1: You're crazy. I'm sure there's a lot of people who agree with you though, Kyle. That's a good one. Right. But it's I'm a, not on board it's with a chain.
2: You on it's a chain. It's all not right. fancy, it's not a fancy Italian restaurant. It's a chain. So all right, I'm Rich, gonna give, give you us one. my first one, um, Panera, Panera um, uh, bread. I, yeah, Panera.
1: Yeah, like uh, their French, French onion soup. Their French onion yeah. soup is so good. Yeah, that's yeah.
2: Not, not a fan. You like it too? Kyle? All right, you like I like
1: the soup. Everything
0: like else on the menu is overrated.
2: Yeah, I just kind of like. Mm, uh, yeah. All right,
0: well, there's
1: enough oh, for me.
2: Yeah. It's not all right. I got
1: one. If you still go to this restaurant, I'm not judging you, but please get into this (laughs) decade. That's all I'm saying Uh is you need to jump ahead to the next decade and get into 2022. Buffalo Wild Wings. Oh, yeah, is so overrated. The food you want to talk about, I could go to Kroger or a grocery store and Mm -hmm. get me some pre frozen boneless chicken nuggets and and go like that's basically what you're getting at buffalo wings all you're doing for a buffalo wings is (laughs) i want a big screen to watch okay well every sports bar has that now so Mm -hmm. i haven't set foot in a buffalo wild wings in like three years and it used to be my like thing like when we were in college every saturday and sunday me and all the guys we would go and park ourselves at a table for like eight hours and watch college football all day like we would be there all day and eat like two or three meals. Like we would, we would eat one That's meal, funny. be there for two hours, then eat another meal. Like we were there for that long. Wow. Not anymore. Buffalo Wild Wings. You need to retire it. It's over with. It's done with move on to bigger and better sports bars.
2: For sure. For sure.
1: Buffalo Wild Wings mm-hmm. is not going to be sponsoring this podcast anytime soon. After that, <laughs> yeah. All these that.
2: restaurants, they're going to be like, I like, can- <laughs> <Yeah, they're> like- <laughs> don't know. You don't understand how yeah.
1: marketing works. Do you? That's okay. Dairy Queen will sponsor us. We, we yeah. said good things about Dairy I'll Queen. That in a heartbeat. If
0: they give me like a free
1: blizzard a week, I'm yeah, down. Man. I will be a Dairy Queen. How funny would that be if at the beginning of every Catfish and Ice episode, I got to say brought to you by Dairy Queen. Oh my gosh. That would be Get awesome, your new,
2: get a, a Girl Scout thin mint blizzard <laughs> every week. All right. I'll take that in a heartbeat. You got another one, Kyle? Uh, go ahead. I'm okay, I got one. I got one. <clears throat> this is my my people might not like this. Uh, Chipotle. I don't like Chipotle. I actually um, thought
1: about saying that.
2: The reason I, that why one
1: ran across my mind.
2: I don't know if there's any in Nashville or or there are. I know they're you, everywhere. They're be, all no, over not the place. Chipotle. I was gonna say a Mo's. Have you ever heard of Moe's? Is there a Moe's down oh, there? Oh yeah. Okay, yeah. So Mo's, Mo's is makes Chipotle look. Sad. It's so good. I'll eat at Moe's any day. I'll even eat at Moe's before I'll eat at um, Qdoba. It's so much better. So, yeah, I don't really well, care I can Well,
1: I can tell you a former Titans player who now got – who just got traded to the Eagles, A.J. Brown. Um, I can tell you he will agree with you on that, Rich, because I don't know if anyone remembers seeing this story from last year but when A.J. Brown got food poisoning from Chipotle for eating one of their brisket oh. bowls or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And so – um, like everyone in Nashville probably is like afraid to eat it at Chipotle now if they're a Titans fan after seeing that story. Because apparently AJ Brown uh, got really, really sick, food poisoning, and it was because he ate the brisket bowl from Chipotle. So, um, no, thank you. Yeah,
2: no, thank you. People agree with I'll that.
1: Pass. All right, this isn't a restaurant, but it's more of a, a, a coffee place. But I still think it's overrated, and I'm about to make a lot of people mad here, but I don't, I don't care.
0: I'm gonna agree with so- you. And Starbucks
1: too. I do not get the infatuation with Starbucks it's right up there with me with Chick-fil-A I uh, it's, it's nope. just not it's uh, it's not worth waiting in line for I'll tell you what's worth waiting in line for if you gotta go in line to get coffee Dunkin Donuts beats Starbucks by a mile easy Dunkin Donuts is way better
0: alright Starbucks coffee is so bitter why no. why is it so
1: bitter
2: I don't know I don't drink coffee. I don't drink coffee, but I have had... Oh, well, it's hard some to get, of their, get in this
1: conversation, All right.
2: Well, I have had some of their other, you know, those icy drink things they have that taste like a milkshake, sort of. But we always go, like, we'll go to the Barnes & Noble and they have a, a Starbucks inside the Barnes & Noble. And, like, the girls will always get whatever they get. And then, like, oh, I want some dessert or something. And you got to pay, like, $6 for a brownie or something. And I'm like... I'm, like <laughs> Overrated. Yeah, no thank you. No
0: thank you. Now I will say the like teas and stuff like that. There, they ain't bad. I I will. So, recently,
2: I guess like a year and a half, but well, it's probably been two years. <clears throat> they opened a Starbucks in Shepherdsville, right off the interstate. You can't oh, it's... even get in that place. It's yeah, so but
0: packed. what it's beside.
2: Is the, the, the goat end?
0: of all restaurants ever?
2: Oh, the WC Lounge. goat?
0: Uh huh. No, no, <laughs> you castle. don't understand, Chad. I don't this know is... about
1: that one. Yeah, enlighten You me. don't.
2: Have... Oh, that's right. You don't have those. Oh my gosh. No,
0: yeah. it, but Shepherdsville mm-hmm. is the best one that has ever been. Mm-hmm. The White Castle in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, is just god-tier restaurants. It's you... good. It's definitely
2: good. And it's really good at about two in the morning. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, it's awesome. Not an over not an overrated restaurant, the White Castle, that's for sure.
0: Catfish sure. on ice. Wait, Don't we're, we're talking about White Castle and Dairy Queen. That's right.
2: <laughs> for sure. Yeah, so I have right. so one more Wait, you want to go. You guys are talking I'm about White. With. So
1: we're talking about White Castle here, right? Mm-hmm. Yep yes go ahead
0: oh Uh,
2: oh no we're just talking about
0: how awesome it was i was
2: talking about how awesome white castle is love white castle so this is my last restaurant yeah go ahead rich okay so um i can't stand eating in this place i've even given it a couple of chances and don't can't even step foot in it anymore and that stupid song that's out makes it even worse. And that would be Applebee's.
0: Oh God, huh.
2: I call I call uh, Applebee's Crapplebee's. Yeah, and I I don't I can't. They, their I food looks so I, good I on the commercial, but man, it is it is not not good. I
1: didn't even know people still went to Applebee's. I thought that was like
2: oh yeah, man. I, I think people love it for some reason. Your friendly neighborhood. Uh, I mean, they do a good
1: job. They do their best in their commercials. And you're right, they do a good job of making the food look kind of good. But um, mm-hmm. um do you guys no, have a Texas Roadhouse up there? That's probably my favorite sit-down restaurant. Oh, okay. we do. I oh, Roadhouse. Texas yeah. Roadhouse gotta go to a Texas Roadhouse. So
2: much. All right. I love that place. You can't, and the one All up right. here that's that's closest to us, you it's it's another one. If you don't get there, right when they open. You're probably gonna be waiting a good hour, hour or two. So
0: yeah, I've got one more, and that's right. Joe's Joe's Crab Shack.
2: Oh, see, I don't eat seafood, but oh yeah, you know, I think that's the same. That's more of a tourist
1: place. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's there's one in Nashville right downtown near Broadway.
0: There's one in Louisville that's right on the river. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's awesome views and everything, but okay. they're well, yeah. <laughs> if you dirty want to look ohio. at the dirty ohio river dirty ohio uh, river. but
2: uh it's it's actually up on stilts yeah out in the water a little bit yeah it's it's up on like a pier it's kind of cool looking thing yeah
1: but, but the food's uh, all right overpriced and bland
2: yeah the yeah
1: so anyone who works at any of these restaurants, we are so sorry. Please still keep listening to Fish on Ice podcast. <laughs> but, we're going to get um, letters from know, all these
2: restaurants, cease and desist. Right. Well, uh, we're,
1: we're still going to get Dairy Queen on board. Dairy Queen's our next sponsor. Brought to you by Dairy Queen and DraftKings, because those are two sponsors that do well together. All right. And White Castle. And White Castle. <laughs> all right. Speaking of which, real quick. Before we get to the interview with Abigail Martin, at the of Catfish on Ice, and we say so long and send you to that. Guess what? Guys? The Avalanche just tied it up with the Blues. I did. I just saw it. Uh, one to one now.
2: How am I cheering Bro. for the Blues? Right. Yeah, what is wrong with this I picture? I was doing uh-huh. the same thing the other night. I was like, mm, something's wrong.
1: I'm, I'm, uh, I'm cheering for the. A- <laughs> I'm cheering. I'm cheering for the A- for the Avalanche because it's gonna. Feel better about the Preds getting swept. That's just how yeah. I feel about it. That's true. That's
2: a good way to look at it.
1: If the Blues I mean, get knocked I mean, out I mean, in five, I mean. it'll make me. It'll make if the Blues get knocked out in five, it will make me feel slightly better about the Preds. Guys, this will make me a little bit feel better.
2: That's, That's all I care. A good way to look at it.
1: All right, it's been that. a pleasure, everybody. We are sending you over to our interview with Abigail Martin of Penalty Box Radio. Can't wait to. Uh, Bring you to that. Listening, everyone. This is episode 130 presented by DraftKings with Chad Minton, Rich Howe, and Kyle Perkins. We'll see you later this week for a new episode. Take care. Have a good one. See ya. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. This is episode 130 of Catfish on Ice. We are really excited to have an outstanding guest join us. It's been a long time coming. We've got Abigail Martin, who is um, an in-arena reporter for Penalty Box Radio covering the Predators. She also does work with Nashville SC. She's really all over the place, and she does awesome local Tennessee sports coverage, and so we are thrilled to have her join us today. Abigail, how are you doing today?
3: I'm doing well. I know we don't have much to talk about. I don't know how we're going to fill up any time, (laughs) but... I'm so yeah, we're just, for you having me on.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the Preds offseason. There's just not much to talk about, so we'll just have no. to figure it out, I guess. I guess we can start <laughs> off with uh, just this, uh, I don't know, this press conference that happened a couple hours ago. I guess we can start with that. But first of all, I want to tell all of our listeners, you can follow Abigail Martin at Abigail D Martin on Twitter. And like I said, she does stuff for Penalty Box Radio. She's with Nashville SC, which I'm really trying to become a Nashville soccer fan I, uh, you could probably, well, I'm going to ask you that at the end of this segment. I need you to give me some, uh, some players to follow and what's going <laughs> on with Nashville SC. But before we get to that, I guess the first question I want to get started with today is obviously you were at the end of season press conference today with David Poyle and John Hines at the, at the podium. And um, really, I just want to get your biggest quotes and biggest takeaways that stood out to you. Um, today at the press conference from David Coyle and John Hines.
3: Yeah, it was super exciting. We all walked into the room. We we're like, oh no, what can we expect for today? Because we had even heard rumors that Hines had um, resigned. There were rumors that it was a multi-year deal. I think I heard someone said that there was a bot going around saying it was a six-year deal.
1: Yeah. And so everyone
3: that, was like yeah. throwing a fit. I missed <laughs> that one. And luckily I got to hear about it. But not sure what to expect, but in the same way, knowing exactly what to expect. You knew you were going to cover... Forsberg, Hines, and, of course, the season. So with that, to give like a easiest version I can sum it up into is they are not satisfied with this past season. Of course, I guess I should have st- started here. Hines is going to be re-signed for two years. He has an extension, him and his team. So you're not going to see Carl Taylor or someone pop in. Mm-hmm. There's not anything to be occupied there. Um, I know a lot of fans are kind of upset about that, and bear with us. We'll go into that, I'm sure. Yeah. But um, they're not not—they're not satisfied. They do understand that there's a huge gap between them and even just looking at the playoffs, but their matchup against the Avalanche, they know there's a huge gap and they are not playoff contenders. Um, actually, David Poyle took a lot of accountability today and he said, I did not give Hines what he needed to succeed, but he has great experience. He's a great leader for this team and we want to have him back. And I think this is the group that's going to get this team back into playoff contention. Do that as you will.
1: That really stood out to me. And I, you did tweet out a video of that response from uh, John Hines, kind of uh, go into what uh, that video that you tweeted out right before we just went on here um, about, because John Hines was asked about David Poyle kind of being super. First of all, I really appreciate David Poyle's honesty today. Um, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of fans want him gone and I get that as well, because he's been the only GM in this franchise and it's, it's totally understandable to want change and want a fresh vision. But um, I, I found David Poyle to be very um, honest today with his responses. He, um, he, he went into a lot of detail with his responses, which I, I can totally respect that. Um, and so, um, yeah, tell us kind of what John Hines said in response to uh, Poyle saying that, yeah, that's on me. I didn't give him – I haven't given him enough talent yet to um, to get this team more successful in the playoffs.
3: Yeah, I really didn't expect such accountability to be taken from today's press conference. I won't lie to you, but that is exactly what general manager David Poyle said. He said that he believes in Hines and the group and that he didn't give them the right pieces. Um, and with that, I think I'll touch on Forsberg a little bit. He wants Burt, Forsberg to come back. He believed that Forsberg also wants to come back. It's just a matter of the business side, which we saw from player availability. I believe it was last week. Everyone says there's always two different sides of hockey. But for Heinz's perspective, he was asked, how often do you communicate with David Poyle for your roster decision? Because that's something I don't think we hear a lot about in NHL or even just in sports, how much control a coach has over their roster. It's more so of manage the team. And I think Poyle said this today. He was like, management looks at a three to five year plan. And going with that for Forsberg's contract, he was like, if we had Ellis or Arbison, Forsberg's not staying, we don't have the money for him. And so he said Hines' role is day-to-day. He said he jokes with him about that all the time. But Coach Hines actually said that they kind of take turns evaluating players. They'll look at who's in free agency, maybe who can be traded. And going back to the money side of things, um, Poyle was actually asked, is there going to be any like holdback from ownership about getting, maybe splurging on a player? Mm. And he said that was not the case. He has full ownership backing him up. But he doesn't want to spend money just to spend it. I mean, I would be the opposite, but I'd spend money just to spend it. That's just <laughs> me in everyday life, I'm a 20-year-old <laughs> woman. But from a management perspective, he doesn't want to just spend money for fun of it, saying, I'm going to throw a name out there, so just leave it at that. Nathan McKinnon, it's not – Nathan McKinnon's a great player, but will he fit into the system? And if you want to look at being something maybe a little realistic, maybe Johnny Goudreau. Coming in, if Forsberg does uh-huh. walk, it's a matter of can this player fit our system and really um, enhance the group. And that's something I've talked about in an article I recently wrote. And that's something they even tapped into today is enhancing the core group. And now that the youth leadership has 82 games under their belt, they can feel a little bit more confident going into next season.
1: Mm uh-huh. hmm. For sure, another thing that really stood out to me, and I want to get your thoughts on this, was um, when Poyle kind of went into detail about why he decided to do what he did at the trade deadline, which also got a lot of criticism um, because he didn't do that much, really, other than getting a uh, uh, Jeremy LaZan, uh, and so a lot of fans were a little critical of that. And um, I kind of found it interesting that he kind of elaborated on how um, he just didn't see a point in offering in their rebuild plan that he, that they're in, he didn't see a point in basically offering a first round pick for the assets that were on the table at that time. And he, he uh, kind of mentioned Jeremy Lazon and how they went and made a, uh, under the radar pickup with him because all they had to do was do a second round pick and he fits the identity of this team, which they use that word a lot identity. Mm-hmm. And, You're um, telling me. <laughs> yes, I mean that word, But um, yeah, so uh, I found that very interesting that he kind of opened up a little bit about why he decided to do what he did at the trade deadline. And also, on top of that, why he decided not to trade Philip Forsberg. And I found this answer to be a little weird, but he basically said, well, if we trade Philip Forsberg, then we don't make the playoffs, which is true. But then you're also telling me that this team is very far away from winning in the playoffs. So it's like... That was a little bit of an odd uh, quote from David Poyle there, in my opinion.
3: Yeah, no, that's a fair assessment because they even going back to today, the they said it could be a small adjustment that they need to make in order to be competitive, but it also may not be. And more oftentimes than not, it's not just going to be one person that makes or break you. Mind you, going into this next season, I believe the exact opposite of that. I think if Forsberg walks, he said that he did not want to go into a complete rebuild if Forsberg did walk away. Um That was kind of interesting because he – Philip Forsberg is a franchise player. He's been with this team since Mm -hmm. the very beginning, going back to 2013, going back to when the Nashville Predators were sweeping the Chicago Blackhawks in the playoffs. Like, Mm -hmm. that was a minute ago. But going back to the comment about trade deadline, he did say, I don't want to give Philip Forsberg up for a first-round draft pick. That's not going to do it. And it's good to be aware of what Forsberg means to you, but at the same time, it's confusing because you're like, then why wasn't the deal done? trade deadline day because now he has full opportunity to walk away and you get no return if I highly doubt someone was trying to buy Forsberg for a first round draft pick that seems a little bit silly and unrealistic so yeah I don't but I'm not there I don't know
1: yeah exactly
3: but especially now that it's been time after the trade deadline after the season you got to see the successes the failures and you can really just go back and assess those in a different way than you could have maybe the day after or whenever the press conference was following the trade deadline. Yeah. Um, but he said today, which was interesting, I want to say the number was nine. He said, there's only nine players that are on this team since Hines has taken over. Yeah, that's that correct. Remain.
1: I heard that too. Yeah. Yeah. That's correct. And
3: yeah. so there's been a lot of changes in some sense, but also the roster decisions are much easier to make than a head coach or from leadership. And especially with this team having so many owners, you can't really get when's the last time that you sat down in a room with, I don't know, I'll say four plus people and you come to one decision. And so I'm not surprised. It is easier to make a roster move than it is to do anything else. So I'm also not surprised to see Hines and his crew staying on for another two years. Do I agree with it? I'm not exactly sure. I'm kind of in a weird standpoint with how I feel at behinds as a head coach, but I think is a great mentality. I laugh so much at the word identity, but <laughs> that's exactly what this organization started with, was the blue-collar, work-hard mm-hmm. mentality. But that also goes back to the last 20 games of the season, and we can talk about that in a little bit. But yeah, there was well, a lot um, to break down.
1: It was. There was a really – so many – Big things came out of this press conference. Uh, again, we're being joined by Abigail Martin of Penalty Box Radio, covering covers the Preds, also uh, does work with Nashville SC. She was at the press conference earlier today, so we're really lucky to have her joining us today for episode 130. Um, yeah, reading the tea leaves on this whole Philip Forsberg thing and just knowing that David Poyle is obviously one of the best GMs of all time. He is, even without a Stanley Cup, he's still – uh, such a great uh, general manager. And I just got to think that he knows something that we don't know behind closed doors when it comes to the uh, Philip Forsberg wanting to come back here as well. There's mutual interest. We've heard that. And so I can't see a, a scenario where David Poyle wouldn't have traded Forsberg at the trade deadline if he didn't have supreme confidence that Forsberg mm-hmm. wants to stay here and that he was going to be able to eventually get a deal done this offseason because that could be the biggest stain of his Preds legacy if he loses Forsberg this offseason. It will really be a huge – it it will tarnish his legacy a little bit as GM of this Preds team Mm -hmm. despite all the successes he has had. So um, that's tough. It really is. Um, some other things I took away from it today was um, I, I I I thought it was cool that Poyle went to bat for his head coach. I mean, he yes. really
3: he was very he
1: nice. really he really sold it to the fan base. And I actually came out of the press conference feeling a little bit more confident than I did going into it about John Hines. Like, i Poyle did. A, uh, I'll say that uh, John Hines owes David Poyle a really good steak dinner. <laughs> for all the good things that that he that he said about his head coach today, because I do got to say a lot of really strong points were brought up about how about taking accountability and stuff. And then I found it really interesting. Uh, and I, I thought it was a really good response from Heinz talking about how he breaks the season into 20 game intervals. And I thought that was kind of cool because I've never really thought about it that way. And so now I'm really going to think about that a lot. And so he he mentioned like, okay, this is what we did in the first 20 games. And then games 21 through 40 was our best hockey of the season. And then he said we admittedly didn't play our best hockey in the last uh, 20 games or so of the season, which he said is the toughest part of the season. What did you mm-hmm. think about that, Abigail?
3: That made a lot of sense. And then even to back it up further, he said he was talking with um, the youth of this team, and they were like, what was the hardest part? And they were like, it wasn't the jump from AHL to NHL. It wasn't that at all. It was actually the jump from regular season to playoffs. They said that that took the biggest toll on them. And even going back, they said that having an eighty-two game season is such a hard thing to do. And I don't think we think about that enough or give them credit for it. These players going through eighty-two games of the season, changing time zones, uh, changing cities, and all of that, and it just being your first experience playing against the best and the um, the best in hockey. And so. Going back, it – I don't even know where I'm going. I mean, it the last 20 games is – I want to say, if I'm remembering correctly, player availability was last week for locker room cleanout. And Matthias Ekholm has a quote, which I tweeted out, and it was, I haven't been to the Stanley Cup final every year, but when I did, we soared into the playoffs. The last 20 games of the season are so important. And looking back at this season, the last 20 games – they lost 11 out of the last 20 games. That doesn't sound like you're going in soaring and you're going confident in. And even Matt Duchesne said, I think at the end of the season, we let it get into our head that we may not clinch a ticket to the playoffs. I don't know why that took a downfall instead of taking advantage and saying, let's kick it, into, kick it into gear, let's get production, let's stick together. I don't know why that didn't happen. I'm not in the locker room, but it it is pretty cool to see that they break it down 20 games of a season. Going, yeah. you know, step by step because you always hear, like maybe in football, like we're worried about this week, we're worried about today. You hear the I cliches,
1: the usually it's cliches about we're only worried about the next game. Yeah. Right.
3: We know that's not the case. You look at the difference between the lineups, who's being scratched, who's not, maybe who's taking taking an off day. Um, that's not the case in sports. And so to actually have an honest answer, but the playoffs are a whole different ball game. And you know that as a fan, you know, the energy like pops into a different level, but also for these players and for a lot of the youth, which was on this team, it was the hardest thing that they've done, not the jump from maybe Milwaukee to Nashville. Like, I would think that would be a pretty big deal going against, you know, playing against Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin for the first time, those type (sighs) of opponents. And so for them to say that playoffs is a different, a different animal, I think stood out a lot too.
1: Definitely did. And then, um, I mean, I I, I found it interesting. They said, look, we got to we got to do a better job of climbing up the standings so we don't have to play the best team in the league Mm -hmm. in the first round, which I mean, I get that. But I also found that to be a little bit of a weird quote, too. It's like, shouldn't you be shouldn't you be confident enough in your team to beat anybody no matter who you play? Like, of course, you want to finish at the top of the standings in the regular season, but. At the same time, you shouldn't be worried about the opponent if you're confident in what you have as a a roster. But um, I guess I want to ask you a really basic question here. So coming in, in your opinion, and then I'll kind of tell you how I feel about it. But um, so coming out of this press conference, do you feel more confident in the vision of this team moving into next season? Or do you have more questions than answers coming out of this press conference, even though there were so many great answers and so many quotes?
3: There were great answers. I'll give them that. Um, but I'm not sold. Yeah, They still aren't committing to one way or the other. And I mean, at this point, they kind of can't waiting on Philip Forsberg. That really is the hourglass that's sitting beside Coyle's desk that's just ticking and ticking and ticking because a lot of it does come down to him. And he said, you know, we do have options like B through D if Forsberg does walk, but how active can you actually be in that? without making Forsberg just absolutely obsessed and he gets a call from Johnny Gaudreau and he's like, why is your general manager calling? I'm not saying that's actually how it works, but I I can imagine that like the word goes around the grapevine pretty fast Mm -hmm. um, whenever you're having those types of talks, but they don't seem that they want to commit. I'm still very frustrated at the fact that they did have individual success and that's a great thing to be proud of, but they were still swept for their first time in franchise history. Yeah. And that's also coming back from so much success that we saw throughout um, Laviolette's career before he was terminated. You know, the Stanley Cup final, which wasn't supposed to happen, so I don't want to compare that by any means. But also the President's Trophy, finishing at the top of the end of the regular season, which is what they're wanting. I wouldn't say go up to the top because there's a President's Trophy curse, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, it was interesting. Um, the answers in itself were good. I have, I have a love for... Hines like respect for Hines as a coach as a person from talking to him he was so honest he was so passionate and seeing how confident Coyle was in Hines going back to that like we were saying it's it's good in a way and it's also good they're only sticking for two years if something does go wrong if things don't turn around but I don't see them making any other big changes I think they think they have a solid group and they're just kind of going to coast and then maybe one day things will go right
1: yeah. Unfortunately,
3: I think that's where I'm sticking.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of, I'm kind of right there with you. Coming out of the press conference, I mean, I, I stated all the honest answers too, but I, I just feel like it's more the same as far as sticking with the status quo. Like, yeah, we're satisfied. Like, cause, you know, Poyle went back and basically covered the entire team's existence from 1998 and covered everything that's happened. Like, he went on like a five minute answer here. And I think Adam Vinian <laughs> I think Adam Vinion of the Athletic, Asked the original question, but um, it was like a really long answer where he covered Mm -hmm. like the team's entire 24 year existence, and it seemed like he was kind of trying to, um, kind of pat his own pat himself on the back, like, oh, we've made all these playoffs, and we went through the expansion years, and then we went through the competitive years, and then we lost uh, Thomas Vokoun, and then we lost all these players, and then we had to rebuild it again. He kind of went through it all, and for me, I'm just like, at some point. It's like you've got to you've got to want more than just being average, and I feel like this team mm-hmm. is just stuck in painful, painfully <laughs> average, and uh, it's just it's just not enough anymore. And you don't see you don't see the team making any progress in in, in the grand scheme of things. And I don't want to hear excuses about oh well they had to play the Colorado Avalanche and they're the best team in the league, and if they would have played Calgary, which I don't know after watching Calgary last night, I'm not so sure about <laughs> that, but. That's You know, it's like, oh, if they would have played a different team in the first round, maybe they would have had a better chance and not get swept. Well, that's that's not a great winning mentality to have in the first place. Right. like You should be confident enough in your own team to where it doesn't matter who you play in the first round, you're going to have a good chance. So I, I'm right there with you. I feel like it's going to be status quo. The Predators mm-hmm. may or may not make the playoffs again. They'll be on that playoff bubble again next season. <laughs> and can we really count on, let's say Philip Forsberg does come back, can we really count on Roman Yossi Duchene? Uh, Ryan Johansson set a career high in a Predators uniform and goals this past year. Like, right. can we count on? Can we count on Ryan Johansson to be a twenty-plus goal scorer? Like, all these things broke perfectly for this team individually mm-hmm. speaking for a lot of players, and yet they still barely snuck in the playoffs. And that's just a yeah. dark cloud for me that I can't get over.
3: <laughs> no, I'm glad know. that you mentioned that because, like, everyone's like. You're right. Like Everyone's like, they played Colorado. They played Colorado. That's great. But the fact that you could not win a single game and you're going without easy sorrows if that isn't a finalist, which is another individual success story, and you see Connor Ingram get called up, and he played his tail off. He
1: did. Standing
3: on his head for so much of the time, and yet they still weren't able to do it. I mean, just going back to game four, that was the first time they've ever held a lead in that series. And it lasted maybe two, three minutes at most before Colorado took the lead again or tied and tied it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a good thing that there was individual success. And even today, someone asked, I wish I could remember who, but they were like, do you think that they maxed out? And Poil immediately was like, no, absolutely not. I think. I yeah. Zach. yeah. And I mean, Yost was so close to hitting a hundred points. He's done something that we haven't seen and. So, like before I was born, a I mean, that's not something
1: yeah, was... like
3: happens every day. That's not the type of yeah. record that can always be recreated, and especially a season after because players are going to go in having that pressure. There's pressure when you do, when you're on a bad year, but also whenever you're returning from a good year and you've got all these people saying, are you going to do it again? Are you going to do it again? Are you going to beat it? But I mean, I don't, I don't know. Let's see. I'm just clear on communication. Though. I'm
1: going to reserve judgment on how I feel about next season until I see what they do in free agency and obviously mm-hmm. the elephant in the room. I've been calling it the elephant in the room <laughs> since de- since December, basically. I've been calling it the elephant in the mm-hmm. room, which is Philip Forsberg. Let's see what happens. I don't think you can make a clear uh, judgment call one way or the other on what the Preds are going to be next season until mm-hmm. – that's to until we get past free agency so um they're they're just kind of uh teetering on that line right now until then you can be
3: mad about the rest of the season
1: yeah (laughs) so um now i kind of want to get a little more into your personal coverage and kind of how did you get into sports media i know you went to middle tennessee state university correct so that I'm i'm a
3: senior there now
1: so i'm an MTSU alum graduated in graduated in 2010 um, <laughs> I I, uh, I didn't I didn't get as involved with the campus TV station like you like you're doing though and I wish I would have I look back on it now but that's one of the reasons why I've, I've been a fan of your work for a long time because I know you've, oh. you've done stuff with middle Tennessee State, State University mm-hmm. you do great stuff for them and then and then kind of tell us how you got into sports media what made you wanted to do it and then how did you get involved with Justin Bradford and penalty box radio just tell us all about that
3: yeah, so that actually goes back to my freshman year. Everyone always tells you it's okay if you don't know what you want to do. My mom figured out first my freshman year because it was combining different things that I like. I love storytelling. I love writing. And I love being out and talking to people and just talking about things that I'm passionate about. Um, and I'm a big sports fan. I grew up playing softball and then travel softball. play played basketball for a little bit. And my mom and I would always go to hockey games. That would be like our mother-daughter date nights. And so that's how I started to become a fan of the Nashville Predators. And so I knew that's what I wanted to do, but I'm from like a super small town, like one one red light town. And there's not a lot of opportunity there. I have to go 15 minutes if I want to go to a Publix or anything oh, wow. like that. Yeah, it's pretty small. Um, <laughs> but we didn't have like a broadcasting class or anything. Of course, we had athletics. And so I want to say first, I met Justin Bradford. I'd always looked at everybody on Press Row and was like, I want to do that. Lindsay Rowley, when she came on 2014, I believe. I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to interview the players. I want to work for a major league team. Would have loved to work for the Nashville Predators as well. And uh, Justin Bradford had created um, Penalty Box Radio. My mom was like, you should talk to him. He seems like, you know, he wants to like grow youth involvement. And he would. I think he would be like a great, provide great opportunities. I'm nervous. I hate talking to people first. Even still to this day, and I just can't do it. But my mom like hyped me up really good, and it was intermission, and I was like, okay, it's now or never. Like you're only gonna be told no if you don't ask, so you might as well go ahead and do it. So little 15 year old me walks up to Justin Bradford at wow. intermission. I'm like, hey, um, uh, I don't even think I mentioned my aspirations at first. Is the thing like I was so nervous, and he has like a ton of people around him too, and I was like, I can't talk to these people too. I don't even want to just talk to him. <laughs> and so I messaged him after, or he tweeted after during the game. And I remember like my jaw just dropped. I was like, mom, he followed me and he tweeted back at me. And I That's really hope so he cool. doesn't watch this for this case. Cause I've never told him that either. That's but so cool
1: though.
3: It was, it was amazing. And then after the 2016, 17 season, so they were doing the banner raising and everything. And so I did um, a game recap and then just like the environment from a fan perspective was my audition. And I just, uh, Twitter DM'd it to him and he was like okay cool um you want to come out to like high school I think it was a college game that I covered first and I would talk to the players and coaches and so I worked my way from college high school coverage and then I started doing PA announcing for my high school then I graduated from there I decided I want to go to MTSU I would played softball in Murfreesboro so like this it made sense for me to want to go to MT and mm-hmm. so I ended up going there and then sophomore year was COVID And after that, I started working with Blue Rider Extra Point for Middle Tennessee News. Um, I was writing, so I've covered football, I've covered tennis, um about to start covering hockey. Yeah, I've been (laughs) able to do a lot of new stuff and then going to Nashville Soccer Club was completely new for me. And so uh, yeah, that's the long version of what No, that's awesome. That's such a great story. And for anyone who's
1: and for anyone who's listening right now who might be um, in that spot where they're like, you know, I, I don't know what I want to do, but I would love to, to, to do something like that. They, they just got some good advice there from you, you know, just, you just got to be confident in yourself and you've just got to, you know, if you love something enough and you got to keep striving to do it, eventually some things will work out. You got to network with really good people like Justin (laughs) Bradford and, um, and it just works out great. So that's a really, um, inspirational awesome story and in middle tennessee state has a great uh, mass communications program
3: yeah they like, actually I, I didn't know it but that they school. added sports media my when i was going into school and so at first i was like i don't even know what i technically like would call what i want to do and so they as soon as i walked in they were like oh we have a sports media it's a concentration wow. of journalism so Man, everything fell into place
1: yeah i i was a i was technically a broad um a uh Media management, I think is what they called it. Yeah. a major. That's what I was then, thinking
3: I was gonna do. Yeah, I
1: did media <laughs> management with uh, broadcast journalism and um and uh and then I took film studies as my minor because I didn't want to do anything right. hard with my minor. <laughs> so I basically did film studies and got to watch documentaries for three hours once a week, but uh, that ended up being a way harder class than I thought it was gonna be. I'm like, I didn't sign with up for these, this.
3: Those classes that oh, like, my are gosh, supposed to be yeah. easy, and then they're like psych. <laughs>
1: And these were, like, some really, like, brutal, like, documentaries. I was like, this is traumatizing. Like, I don't want to watch this stuff. It was, like, a 7 o'clock in the evening class every Wednesday, and we had to go in there and watch, like, these horrible documentaries. I don't know. Anyway, all right, I'm going off the rails a little bit. All right, let's end with this. We're with Abigail Martin of Penalty Box Radio uh, with Nashville SC as well, at Abigail T. Martin on Twitter. Go follow her. All right, so I need you to give me some knowledge on Nashville SC. I've been watching their games by and by and by no means a big soccer expert or no I mean, like I know the basics of it. I love watching it. Mm-hmm. I know all about um Hany Mukhtar. He's oh, yeah. he's the, he's the GOAT of the of the Nashville SC right now. But kind of tell us about some other players that we should be following on this team. Tell us how Nashville SC is looking this year. I know they're a really good team and mm-hmm. stuff. So kind of give us a give us some uh some some bullet points on them right now. Nashville SC. <laughs>
3: I think the first one is the brand new park of Geodas Park. I I still walk in there and I get goosebumps. It is the most beautiful sporting event that I have ever been to. The uh, the best sporting venue, excuse me, that I've ever been to. Um, The energy in there is electric. And if you want to talk about food, if you're a big foodie, every food venue that is in there has some sort of tie to Nashville. And so they were very like aware of creating a Nashville experience just in a park. And it's it's so beautiful. I walked in not knowing anything about soccer. It was one of those where I was like, you're going to get told no if you don't even do it. You might as well try. So I was like, we're going to go out of my comfort zone. I applied on, for my internship on the very last day to do it. And Cutler Klein actually actually works there, who is an alumni of Penalty Box Radio. And so um, I joined there. And the players to watch for... Um, coming, of course, you mentioned it with Hani. Um, Walker Zimmerman, he gets compared to Thor because of his long blonde hair and yeah. blue eyes, I believe. But he is the nicest human I have ever met, and like everyone's like, oh, he's Thor, but like he has the qualities of like Captain America. Like he's okay. easily like he, he's so nice. I was able to meet um him and his wife, Sally at the game four. Actually, he came out to do the towel rally and just so kind and he's an excellent player. Um, And then you're going to look at Loba. He's also great coming off the bench or whether he's starting or not. Alex Mule scored the goal last night. He's been on fire recently. And so, there's, there's a lot. CJ Sapong is one of my favorite players to watch. I don't even yeah, necessarily know what's yeah, going on 24 yeah. seven, but yeah, they all get into it and CJ's kids will come out like following the game. And they, um, if you haven't watched it yet, I know you said you haven't been yet. Definitely go they are They haven't lost at home in so long. And considering the fact that they were winning at Nissan stadium too,
1: that
3: yeah. they have this huge celebration at the end of the match and it's beautiful.
1: Yeah, I, I went to a couple I've been to a couple games when they were at Nissan Stadium, but I have not been uh, the, to, to the new stadium at all. I know is it sounds loud the way they built it. You got to go like <laughs> I, mean, you, I mean, you can't really focus on the attendance level, like it, capacity. I think is what? 30,000, I think.
3: 33. So
1: so some people might think, oh, well, that doesn't sound like a lot of people compared to like the Titan State, like Nissan Stadium. But it's the way it's the structure is built.
3: Mm-hmm. I feel like
1: it holds in a lot of sound probably. And then also yeah. you can never deny, you can never deny the passion of soccer fans.
3: No, it's on, un- it's unreal. Like, even if you're not a fan of, a uh, fan of sports, even like my boyfriend doesn't care about sports, but if I took him to a game, I'm sure he'd be like, Oh my gosh, this is the <laughs> coolest thing in the world. Like yeah. they are definitely very loyal to the fan base and they're really supportive too. Like I remember it was, um, I want to say it was last week for the open cup and I was they went into extra soccer. And that was the one game my mom had went to. So I was like, congratulations, you got the closest thing to a hockey game you were going to get. But I was turning around talking to the fans. I was like, okay, what happens now? Like, what's the breakdown? And they easily offer me all the information. And they're like, probably like, why is this girl on the field and doesn't know what's going on? But everyone's super supportive. And it is so loud from the top of the stands. It's only 150 foot from the field. And even sitting around the players, they'll do a celebration. They'll walk right up to you it's it's so close it's so intimate and it's loud it's
1: loud. that's so cool yeah i'm gonna get to a game soon i definitely have to do that all right well it has been a pleasure to have you on abigail this has been abigail martin on episode 130 of catfish on ice go follow her again at abigail d martin go follow all of her awesome coverage we really appreciate it we hope you have a great rest of your week everybody uh this has been episode 130 of catfish on ice Brought to you by DraftKings and part of Hockey Podcast Network. Take care, everybody.